The great metamorphosis of the Emperor Butterfly is complete. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Hello and welcome to the making of Modern Escapism. I am the award-winning broadcaster and deep thinker, Dr. Oodles. This documentary podcast will give you all a peek behind the audible curtain of procrastination. Joining me today, Professor of Social Economics from the University of York, it's Stig. Hello there. PhD in pronunciation from the Pantheon Sabon University in France, an award-winning journalist, it's Dr. Biggie. Bonsoir. Art master's degree holder and expert in bodily art forms and scholar of Bristol University is Professor Candy. Good evening, class. And finally, award-winning award-winning sound engineer and necromantic druid from the University of Newcastle, it's BSC Honours Gadget. Greetings. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to a new month of non-fiction. No laughs whatsoever for the next... Five weeks. Absolutely. <laughs> Stop laughing! <laughs> Just get it all out. We shall not be podcasting, so, yes. we shall be lecturing. <laughs> yes, welcome to Nonfiction Month. This episode, we will be reviewing our week in media with the Nexus, then tackling our favourite documentary films slash shows. Then we've got the green room for the patrons behind the paywall. But before all that, it's the moment you've all been waiting for this week. It's biggest breaking news. You may already know, but he doesn't, because it's time for Biggie's Breaking News. Yeah, boy! News! How low can you go? Death Row! What a brother knows. Once again, (laughs) back is the incredible news animal, the unpronounceable Biggie, public enemy enemy number number one. one. (laughs) 507, freeze! And I got numb. Can I tell them that I never really had a gun? But it's the wax that the editor spun. Now they got me on a pod because my stories they sell because a brother like me said, well, Biggie's a prophet and I think you ought to listen to what he can say to you, what you ought to do. Follow for now, people of the power of the people say, make a miracle, Biggs. Pump the lyrical. This section is back all in. We're going to win. Check it out, y'all. Come on. Here we go again. Turn it Turn up. It up. <laughs> Bring the news. Well, it's been a good show tonight, everyone. <laughs> That's our two hours. Wow. Better be good now. And I shall. Microsoft vows to appeal oh. as the UK regulator. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> blocks its acquisition of Activision Blizzard. CMA says allow Microsoft to take a strong position in cloud gaming with undermine innovation. The UK's Competition Markets Authority has announced it's preventing Microsoft's proposed acquisition over concerns the deal would alter the future of the fast-growing cloud gaming market. Microsoft responded, failed to effectively address the concerns in the cloud gaming sector. Um, We remain fully committed to this acquisition and will appeal. In an interview, um, Brad Smith went on to say, it's bad for Britain and mark the firm's darkest days in our four decades in the country. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all got a bit serious, didn't it? 
They really went on a rampage against the UK, didn't they? Yeah, like, I was yeah. on Microsoft's side until now. Go Sony. <laughs> I can't pick sides anymore. I'm just bored of it. Fiverr says, because the, the, the government can override the CMA, Fiverr says they're going to start cozying up to some bent Tories. Yeah, and then Microsoft will be the Tory console. Oof. Interestingly, Bobby Kotick um, refused to deny rumours that there's a three billion breakout fee for Activision should the deal fall through. Mm, wow, exciting! Next, mm. fuck's sake. <laughs> Speaking of Activision, Call of Duty oh, PC players have, have set up a petition and are sending pizzas to draw attention to their plight. PC players have um, set up the petition trying to get the uh, issues um, introduced from the season three update. Um, it's all to do with AMD, Vega, GPUs, etc., etc. Players are crashing um, when they're trying to load up on PCs for either Modern Warzone 2 or Warzone 2.2. One player was so desperate, he sent a cheese pizza with help Vega, please, written on the box to PC support studio Beanox. And he went on to say, I had a pizza delivered to Beanox with the message because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I mean, that's ingenious. Play something else? Yeah. What option. this other game? Well, there is that. <laughs> I mean, no, what they to, can't to be, play is Star fair, Wars I... Jedi Survivor because that has a major game-breaking bug too. Oh god, and it's, it's through. getting negative reviews on Steam um, for the PC because once again, it's another game that has Man's performance issues. How to segue? Yeah, baby. Oh, I mean, it's just oh, it's just a bad bad month for PC games, it is. isn't it? Like, and it's <laughs> From... not even the PC gamers fault. It's the fucking devs and the Publishers who can't just do things properly. Yeah, it's, it's getting like that. It's, it's ever, getting beyond a joke now. Ever since The Last of Us, it's just there seems to have just been more and more issues with games coming out. Is there something wrong with like like um like getting it ready for PC? Is it because they're pushing stuff out to be like the best performing? I don't I don't understand because so it's with PC. It, it's, 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 it's such a weird ecosystem because there's that many different varieties. It's it's easier for consoles, surely. It's easier, it, well, it's easier yeah. for consoles because you're, you're making it for one set of drivers, one set of software, yeah. one set of firmware, that kind of thing. With PC, it's more complicated because you have multiple variations of, of things. But realistically, it just it kind of comes down to you've either got an NVIDIA graphics card or an AMD graphics card, and you've either got an Intel yeah. chipset or an AMD chipset. So it shouldn't be too Fundamentally, bad. it shouldn't be that bad. No, there were, Aren't there, these there, games there, created on PCs as well? <laughs> um, I, I, I don't, don't work. <laughs> Well, you see, you see, most most games come out now that tend to use an off-the-shelf engine, so they'll use like Unreal or Unity or something like that, which does a lot of that kind of background work for it. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. But, so with the Modern Warfare Two thing or Warzone, that one's that one is weird that it's only affecting AMD GPUs. That would say to me that it's something with the with the driver set for that, and that might mm-hmm. might need to be something that AMD fix rather than. Uh, oh, no, I'll not be able to play it on my AMD laptop. <laughs> the uh, Jedi Survivor thing, that one's just fucking bad. Like, the performance on that on PC is rotten. I watched More a vi- on Jedi Survivor later. I watched a video from Skillup on it, and and he, he when he reviews PC games, he has two PCs to do one. One that's like a what most people would have, and then he's got, like, top-of-the-line ultra thing for capturing footage for the review. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, and when he was reviewing on his uh, Uber Super Duper wonderful, massive, powerful one, he, you know, he does he does the normal thing: knock everything up to max at 4K, and then work your way down until it works properly. And it didn't work yeah. properly at 4K on the on the big beastie one. 
<laughs> and then he knocked it down to like 1080p um, mm. at medium settings, and it was exactly the same, which is really <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> so that says the game is fucking hobbled. But yeah, that's it, it's all down to the publishers pushing out the games really before they're ready. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is stop shit. it, stop doing it. But it's not it, fair. It should also be a thing that don't buy a triple A game until you've seen the reviews Ever. for it. <laughs> like oh don't, yes. Don't pre-order. Don't go out day one and get them. Like I will make, sure, especially with Steam stuff. Like you know, people people on Steam will review things very quickly if it's broken. Yeah. Next. Into the world of film and TV, Craven the Hunter will be Sony's first R-rated Marvel movie. Actor Aaron Taylor Johnson, who plays the title role of Craven, revealed in a pre-taped greeting at CinemaCon 2023 that will be Sony's first R-rated movie. The studio's Spider-Man and Venom movies, as well as Morbius, have all been rated PG-13. Did um, didn't Sony Apparently, do there was Deadpool? A, sorry, go on. Was Deadpool not Sony Marvel Studios? It was a Fox, was it? Oh, right. Fox have done a few, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this uh, is actually the footage. first. Of, but Craven is such a... It's a great. His his own books are great. He's terrible as a Spider Man baddie, I think, but his own books and his own backstories they're really they're really good. So I wonder if they're going to do it any justice. And really, Aaron I, Taylor Johnson, he's he's hit and miss sometimes, him isn't he? Because I um, originally it was just like, isn't he's isn't the isn't Spider Man meant to be the the best prey? So if they do Eventually, have stories yeah. outside of Spider Man, then maybe it will work. But it's Sony. And their Spider Verse <laughs> films are dog shit. So mm. <clears throat> I just think Taylor Johnson's a bit it's a miss. We are things like I liked him in Bullet Train and I liked him in Kick Ass One. Mm. I, I, I had to Google him. I didn't recognise him. Yeah. <laughs> outside, outside of um, like Spider Verse, the animated stuff, like the live action stuff's just been crap. Dross, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Well, the recent God, stuff, anywhere. Venom Two years. was so bad. I've never so seen bad. It. And the, and the next God. film is Madam Web. Who, who wants that? <laughs> I know. Who cried out for that. So, and if Spidey still is not appearing in any of these, what a weird choice. Yeah. Next, let's just move on for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, as mentioned previously, Beetlejuice. Let's start again. Beetlejuice Two is officially. In development at Warner Brothers, which was also revealed at the showcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, anyone, did, anyone for this? did anyone ask for this? No one's asked for any of these legacy Andy, sequels. Maybe. So, got, got goths in their mid thirties. Beetlejuice is fine on its own as a standalone thing. Tim Burton's found his new moves, though, hasn't he? That's the thing. I think it's but that's been ready to go What's for name? years, and now he's found General Ortega. Who is a new oh, Scream yeah. Queen? <laughs> so it's, that's the that's the young one from Wednesdays into the yeah world. yeah yeah more on her later. Oh, is we, is, oh yeah. You've been doing this week, Stig. <laughs> <laughs> General Ortega. <laughs> Can't confirm my denies. She's a bit young, isn't she? She's twenty-two. Fifteen or something. What? She's twenty-two. <laughs> oh, she's twenty. Oh, she's twenty. May. Anyone, anyone under 30 is a child to me. <laughs> just, just like, kids, these kids running around with their kids. I think, uh, I think yeah. also there's been a slight appetite for Beetlejuice 2 because the Broadway play was so successful. Because uh, that ran for, for oh, quite, quite a few right. years and that made a lot of money. Then. I'll tell you what. If it's, not my, if it's Michael Keaton in it. Yeah, yeah it will be. Right, um, we go then. As long as he has more bloody energy than he does in that Flash trailer. Fucking hell. <laughs> 
Do you want to get crazy? nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> Can I offer you some tea while you're here? Jesus. <laughs> it was like that in Batman and Batman Returns. No, he wasn't. wasn't. When he does that line, he's like, "Wanna get nuts? Let's get nuts." And like <laughs> well, that was thought, so cringe, there wasn't it? Yeah, but it wasn't even a catchphrase. It was just in the moment. But now it's like they think that it has to be his catchphrase, and he's saying it to the Flash. And ugh. he was losing his temper, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, exactly. In the original film. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll be quite happy for a, a Beetlejuice sequel, um, as long as it's it's going to be live action, which is good because a little a little, little segue because we never talked about this. The Gremlins legacy sequel is an animated kids show, and it looks fucking wank. Oh yeah, ah. I've seen the art style; looks terrible. Yeah, oh, I didn't so, realize. Yeah, so disappointingly, it looks terrible. So I'm glad that they're actually going to go full hog, but. Nine times out of ten, none of these sequels turn out to be any good anywhere, do they? So. Do something original. Hocus mm. Pocus 2 was a load of shite. Mm. And Tim, yeah. Burton's not, Tim Burton's not on a high at the moment, is he? <laughs> he hasn't been on a high for nearly two decades. Yeah. A long time. I'll dance, dance, dance with my pants, pants, pants. Well, he was part of Wednesday, wasn't he? <clears throat> yeah, okay, yeah, I'll give him that. But I mean, he wasn't... He was was he he didn't he only directed and maybe he directed an executive producer and stuff. Yeah. So. Okay, I'll give him that. But we'll yeah, next we'll see. Fucking boring, mate. <laughs> Speaking of sequels, Black Mirror season six is returning this June. Now we're Apparently talking. Apparently, it'll be the most yes. unpredictable season so far. Creator Charlie Brooker tell uh, told Tadum. Apparently, that's the name of the website. That he even surprised himself. He went on to say. I always felt that Black Mirror should feature stories that are entirely distinct from one another and keep surprising people and myself, or else what's the point? It should be a series that could, can't be easily defined and can keep reinventing itself. I it think, needs I, I to, think, because it's, the real world yeah. is too much like Black Mirror. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This season's going to be really to, uplifting. This is true. I liked it when, when, when he did the first episode, the National Anthem episode, and then a year later... Uh oh! Someone has been doing things with pigs. <laughs> yeah, it's like that robot dog one, and now you see all these videos of the yeah. robot dogs, and you're like, "Yeah." Well, you know what's funny about that first one, and I don't know, like sometimes Netflix shuffles anth- anthology seasons, but that was the. F- Am I living in a Mandela sort of effect universe? Because that was the first episode, wasn't it? The one with the prime minister. It was the pilot. Yeah. It was released on its own. So yes. when I yeah. went to watch Black Mirror again recently, that wasn't the first episode. No, Black no, Mirror was around before Netflix. That's why. Okay. They do cycle them into yeah. different. It was orders Channel Four. Well. Okay. It was Channel Channel Four originally, and uh, the the, the uh, national anthem one that was the first one. It was a standalone thing, and it just it, it did books, mate. Everyone watched right. it, and then he was like, "Right, let's get a season done." I still, I, I, still, I still think the best one they did with that was the um, the Christmas special one with John Hamm and R- uh, Riff Spall in it. Fantastic, fantastic, that was fucking incredible. I'm not sure I've seen that one. You know, I need oh, to, it's I so good. It yeah. was just ratchet and tension all the way through. It, it, the worst it, one was um, Jabberwocky. Oh, Jabberwocky! Were very oh yeah, good. that was shite. Also, like, what, what, was, what was that one that had um, her from Jurassic World in it? Um, the the social score one. Where everyone had to yeah. like yeah. like each other and like you know if you didn't have the right score Ooh. you couldn't go to this part of town and shit Just like has that. The worst day ever. I like um, San Junipero as well. That's my favorite. Yeah. Makes me cry every time. The problem. The problem is as well. I see. I say all this stuff. I'm pretty sure this is where Alex Jones gets all his ideas from because <laughs> he seems to live in a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> Blame Charlie Brooker. Oh, I've seen White Christmas. It's, they're all they're all fantastic. Yeah. Even even the worst episodes are not the the great telly still. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, very watchable. Yeah. Cool. I'm I'm looking forward to that, and it's coming very soon next month, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. June. Yeah. June. Yeah. Next month. 
Frank Herbert's June. Yeah, absolutely. Next. Here's a weird one. An R-rated series about Christopher Robin is in development. The show Next. features him as a dis- disillusioned <laughs> New Yorker navigating his quarter-life crisis with the help of weird-talking animals who live beyond a drug-induced portal. <laughs> Why? Sounds great. Why? Because the, uh, what are because they the Winnie on? the Pooh... The Winnie the oh, Pooh it's public, public fucking, uh, Yeah, it's public domain, isn't it? That's so public you know what domain. you fucking want. There's going to be loads. <laughs> There'll be Winnie the Pooh fucking games next. <laughs> Stupid. Such a bad idea. Ah, next. Uh, Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul has joined season two of FX's The Bear. Yeah, the good. Details are currently the kept good. under wraps. But the actor is said to be bored in the show in a guest role. Uh, guest role. Yeah, Bear I is literally the one bear. The... I, I watched it all in one weekend. It's so good. The, one of the best shows on TV in the last couple of years. Yeah. The, young, the young lad from, uh, from um, the American version of Shameless is fucking brilliant. Yeah, and adding um, Bob Oden- Odenkirk to it. Yeah, it's gonna, only going to get better, isn't it? Yeah. I watched him in that film this week, that film where he goes, he goes no, a bit crazy. Nobody. nobody. Yeah, it's good, that. Fun in it, yeah. I like it's it. It's on my uh, to watch list. It's good. It's worth a watch. He's he. Odin Cook's always been good though. He, he has one of the best moments in the American Office. For God's sake, he's he's just. Oh, he does, just, doesn't he? Yeah. Great. Yeah, he's he, he's he's basically <laughs> Michael Scott, but in a different branch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it's mad when when you look like because um, he was o- gonna be Michael Scott originally. Yeah, when you when you go down Bob Odenkirk's like IMDb, he's guested in fucking everything. Oh, he's 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 the comedian's comedian and stuff like yeah. that. He's he's one of them. He's oh, he's, he's so good, he's so good. And I've been I've been chewing away at uh, Better Call Saul now. I'm quite a good few seasons in now. It's really good. I think it's better than uh, than Breaking Bad personally. Mm. And that's so far. I've not even finished it yet, and I still think it's better. It's more watchable. It's fucking great. Yeah, it's really good. Next, there's a dodgeball sequel reportedly in the works, according to Next. Deadline, um, with Vince Vaughn <laughs> returning to star. Okay, why? Uh, don't know. Dodgeball's great, <laughs> but you don't need a sequel. You know, it doesn't it need a sequel. It's a good it's film. It's a film, but it's a perfect film for the time it was made. Like, and there hasn't really been a film like that as good that's come out. Like, I don't know anyone who's seen Dodgeball and not liked it. Mm. Also, um, look at Zoolander. Look at Anchorman 2. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, go, go back to him years later. Oh, God, Anchorman 2 was so bad. Zoolander was Anchorman, worse. Anchorman 1.5 is good. That's Zo- the original scene. Yeah, Zoolander 2. Which like, I don't know how you go from such for Zoolander to that. Like, it's just Zoolander's so good. It's yeah. such a fucking gulf in quality. I think they were talking about this on the Empire podcast this week about comedy sequels is really hard to do. Like, yeah. it, it genuinely the best idea is if you had such a good time with that group of people, do something different with them. Use the same group, but just do a different story mm, rather good. than rather than how, trying to do a comedy sequel because you always try to outdo the last one. And it doesn't work. Mm. It's it's kind of like what Will Ferrell did for a big chunk of his early career. He would have the same. It's like Saturday Night Live mates following him around on different films. Yeah, yeah like Night of the Roxbury. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's better than look at Anchorman. It tried to re outdo the the fight between the news team. And it was just too much, and it was, mm. wasn't <clears throat> as memorable and wasn't as good. Yeah. 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 Fuck it. Next. Finally, Tai Kai Waititi is going back to more of a light-hearted comedy movie. Uh, it's called The Next Girl Wins, based on the true events um, 
and on a documentary in 2014. Uh, the latest tells the story of the American Samoa soccer team who suffered the worst loss in World Cup history, losing to Australia 31 0 in 2001. Yeah. Jesus. Yep. I watched the trailer to this. It looks good. It's what it's he got needs. Vibes, it's got vibe of the world of people and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's just good, good, good vibes. Feel yeah. good. Like just some some Owens going, we can win this, we can win this. You know what I mean? Even though they can't clearly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really good. It just it just looks really good. It's back to what he needs to do: smaller movies, smaller movies with a bit of heart to them. Yeah, and that's what he needs to do. He needs to get his uh, mojo back before he does anything massive again. Well, he's doing. He's doing Star. He's Star Wars. He's doing. He's got it's Star Wars. Meant to be, but there's no. It's a spin-off, isn't it? He, he wrote the, the script to a spin-off. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's there somewhere, isn't it? He, he said he wanted it to focus on droids as well, didn't he? Well, he he did a well, he voices a droid in Mando, and he directed yeah, he, a, he directed an episode of Mandalorian, and that was really good. That was like one no, of the best episodes. Imagine if he did if he did a Star Wars spinoff where it's the droids like talking like what we do in the shadows, where they're like, oh god, the mechas do everything. You know what I mean? The sweeping brush <laughs> oh, and stuff like that. A, a, a mockumentary with Star Wars <laughs> yeah. droids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what he should do. That's what he should do. I mean, if he's listening, and I know he does listen, you can have it, Tyker. You can have that's it. What they need to do, like interesting things with stars. Did you see that Wes Anderson <clears throat> slash Star Wars? Yes. Yeah, I did. that was yes. really oh, good. Oh, imagine yes. that. I, I just it just made me sad that it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> have, have some have yeah. some fun with it. Now George Lucas hasn't got a say. Like, some I, like fun. I said in our Discord, I saw like some um, concept art of a Studio Ghibli in like Star Wars, but drawn in Studio Ghibli style yeah. and I was like it looked incredible like do you, I think that's what um, what's it called that animated show Rebels the, no the Star Wars Droids Bad Batch no 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 it's none of them um, what did you say Biggie Droids Droids no there's an animated Star Wars where it's all like different styles because Admin Studio doing one for this okay, second yeah, I season I know, I know what you mean the anthology one, isn't it? It's yeah, an anthology yeah. one. Yeah. It's, like, it's a called... what if, like a what if kind of thing. It is a bit like what Visions. Yeah. Visions. Star Wars Visions, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like, you know, the Animatrix where they had different styles for yeah. each episode. But it's like that. Mm. Yeah. So. yeah. Next. Over to the Weird World Web. Hold your horses, guys, because this is a roller coaster of a story. Uh-oh. Xmith. People are aghast and dismayed after iconic and pu- popular Rusty Pole disappears from the mire. <laughs> An old sewer relief pipe, which has stood on the mire nature reserve since 1909, becoming rusty and seemingly forgotten over time. Yet it's been catapulted to legendary status in recent years, with people even making special trips to visit it. The Rusty Pole even has its own trip advisor for <laughs> Google review pages. <laughs> where people share their thoughts on its appearance and purpose. One visitor who came to Exmouth a year ago wrote on Google, it's good to see that Exmouth has preserved its rusty pole in authentic rusty condition. Where the fuck's Exmouth? West country. I don't know why everyone's laughing. This is a tragedy. This is a real real thing to hit the southwest. We used to have picnics by it, the old rusty pole. It sounds like a sex move, doesn't it? Candy, you know what a rusty pole is, don't you? Yeah, I'm afraid I do. It's all right then. It's all right. It's just, um, it's gone missing. (laughs) They went on to say so many rusty poles in other locations have been ruined by gentrification and paint. 
but this remains as a rare and traditional seaside attraction. I was impressed. Don't miss it if visiting the area. Bring our rusty poles gone. back. It was the rusty. The, the West pole. Country West Country folk are fucking weirdos. It's the cider. Have you not have you not seen the, the, the legend of Bude Tunnel in Cornwall? No, because I don't pay attention to that part of the world. Okay, so so it's so it's a big Sainsbury's, right? And it's got a it's big, big Sainsbury's. It's got it's just got a really long covered tunnel that walk from one end to the other so you don't get wet going back to the car park. But people have people have like just gone mad on like TripAdvisor, like claiming it's like a world heritage site and shit and <laughs> Fuck you've got, to make him, got to make your annual <laughs> pilgrimage to the Bude Tunnel. <laughs> Nothing there, have they? They've got absolutely nah, the nothing. The brains so are rotted like, down in the West Country. This, this Sainsbury's, man. The, like, you can get your best cider ever at this Sainsbury's. The best scrumpy you can fucking money can buy. Me babber. Fucking joke, man. What joke of a place. Nah, just don't you have lived. <laughs> one day you'll wish you had a tunnel. <laughs> we, we, we've got the North. We've got the Angel of the North. We've got Umber Bridge. We've got fucking architecture up the Wazoo. We've got Yarvik. We've got so much up the North. Yeah, we've but you're always fucking wet, fucking though. Pots. We're always wet because we like to keep things clean. Nah. Not rusty. <laughs> uh, that, that, that rusty pole's going to be found in someone's loft. Isn't it like years oh, down yeah. the line? At the World Cup was. <laughs> there, was there, there was a there was a there was a thing local to us. There was a um, a reef, like a, a really good like metal reef, but the reef couldn't move. You know, like a war memorial in our village, and it went missing ages. And in fact, it went in some smackhead's garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking. I'm like, why? You're um, it, so heavy. Your uh, <laughs> local monument is that Simpson statue. <clears throat> Yeah, that, that garden. Yeah, yeah, saw it on the way out. It's some surreal. Hey, they're, they're all just sat on the sofa, out. He <laughs> so told us about this when we dropped him off. He went, when you go back up that hill, just look in the, that house because uh, yep. you couldn't see it on the way down. So when the way back up, he goes look at the house, and it is just a statue of the Simpsons <laughs> on their sofa in they're someone's all about garden. Six foot tall yeah. as well. Massive, <laughs> huge <laughs> statue. <laughs> I once, because I, I know I know the person that lives there, and I, we, I went to an house party once. I fingered a lass on that couch. So there you go. There you go. On the Simpsons couch. Poor Marge. You heard it here first. They here. <laughs> oh, God, later. Just a bit of, just, bit of heritage, that's all. It's just, just a bit of Pontefract heritage. Come on. We've got licorice and Simpsons couches. That's all we've got. And the Harry Potter factory. Yeah, because of the licorice, mate. <laughs> That's the only reason why it's there. And also diabetes. And scampy fries diabetes. fingers. Yes, exactly, exactly. Oh, I love scampy fries, man. Oh, God. A bag of scampy fries, come on. Is that the news? That's it. Fantastic. What a pace, what a pace. Let's get on to the Nexus. I'm going to start the Nexus because I've been playing the new hotness. Not on PC, though. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It's a triple A game on PlayStation. Of course I'm gonna play it. That's what I do. I traded some things and I didn't pay fucking seventy quid. Not a fucking chance, mate. I did I did, I did contemplate picking it up the other day when I was in Asda. It was like sixty two pounds. I'm like, it's one of that much. No, it's not <laughs> worth it, is it? It's not worth that price. So I ended up paying like three quid towards it. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's worth that price to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm about four hours in, barely oaks. It took long enough to install. It took a long time. And there's a 70 gigabyte download and all sorts, even with the disc. So Isn't the game big, like 150 plus? 150 gig. 
Yeah. yeah. So, so, so on the on the disc, it's not the whole game. You have to. Download no, it's half it. of it. It's half of it. You can play the disc more or less straight away, but you can't get past a certain bit because it's still installing and stuff and downloading. <laughs> Which again sucks for people with bad internet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, <clears throat> so Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the sequel to uh, Jedi Fallen Order by EA and Respawn. Let me just get this over the uh, off the top. I fucking love this already. I love it. Genuinely love it. So I I, lo- I really really like the last one. The last one was like a, a Souls Metroidvania ripoff type thing with a Star Wars sheen to it. Um, <clears throat> the light the lightsaber combat was fine. It was absolutely okay. The timing windows are not s- something that like me and Gadget that play these type of games would get on with that much because no, I find a bit of a they're struggle. not precise. They're not precise enough. They're not what we're used to. They're not Sekiro. Guess what, Gadget? Is Jedi Sekiro Survivor now? is Sekiro. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy it now, man. It's, it's like this. Do you know when you can just parry, 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 parry? Yeah. It's just, it's, if, yeah, if, if, if Fallen Order's Demon Souls, this is, <clears throat> this is Sekiro. So, now don't let that put you off. It is not a difficult game. They've not gone for the hardcore crap checkpoint system in this game anymore. They did on the last one. This is the this is the most accessible Souls ish like Metroidvania you could probably possibly play. There's so much accessibility. You can skip complete bosses. You can and and you don't lose anything for it. You still get the achievements for skipping past them and everything. You, <clears throat> there's arachnophobia mode, <clears throat> which I tried. It makes the aliens hilarious <laughs> in a in a in a cool way. You know, like like that. There's these like proper spiders. And I thought, hang on, let me just see what this looks like with arachnophobia. It turns into like a fluffy bear, four-legged <laughs> creature. And, and it's cute. <laughs> it's cute. Um, so it starts off very uh, cookie-cutter where it's showing you the ropes. <clears throat> now, the traversal is bigger in this. It's bigger and better. Um, it's not 90% combat, 10% uh, exploration on this. It's 50-50. If you like Uncharted and how the traversal works on Uncharted, that's what this is. And eventually it starts turning into Titanfall traversal. Now you're talking about so, language. Yeah. Well, these are the guys that did it, aren't they? I know, and I'm so, still salty we don't have a Titanfall 3. If it makes you feel, if you, if you want to understand the traversal, there's an achievement for staying in the air for 60 seconds without touching the ground. Oh, nice. That's what the traversal's like. It, it reminds me of... Yeah, he reminds me of when you're out of... Uh, B, is it BT? Yeah. The BT? Yeah. When you're out of him and you're this, just the guy. And you're running around, and remember that level where you're in the factory. Yes, every single level's like that. It's so like precise, and I now is it is it, is it also pre- like precise traversal? Like because with like yes, with um, Uncharted, it's very much hold forward next. You know, no, 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 it's precise. Kind of does it all for you. You can move, you yeah. can move back, you can flow, you can flow back. Because again, you can stay in the air for sixty seconds. You know what I mean? That's because. It does a perfect thing. What these Metroidvanias and these start and these all these games do. It starts off. You've got all the powers that you had from the original. There's no yeah. amnesia. There's no craziness. You are a fully fledged Jedi Knight, Cal Kestis. Um, the guy that plays him, um, somewhat Monaghan, I think it's called. He's fucking. He's pull. He's pulling all the punches on this. His his voice acting, his emotion is fantastic in this. And I've got to a point now where I think, oh, he's up there with me, some of my favorite Jedi's. Already, because he's older. Yeah, it's about seven years later, basically. Um, so it starts off like I say, um, uncharted, blah 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 blah, blah. better combat. Anything? Oh, it's just like the original. No, it's not. 
It's got builds, Gadget. No. Builds. So there's four builds I've unlocked so far. There's the single lightsaber. Oh yeah, double lights. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. It's like it's like uh, combat stances, isn't it? Yeah, combat stances. The double lightsaber. The the, the break the lightsaber in in in, in dual wield. Oh no, I've got more. I've got the Kylo Ren one, nice. you know, with the hilt, and I've got the <laughs> get ready a lightsaber and a blaster. You've got guns in this, Biggie. Oh. There's guns in it. Oh, because he's basically he's, he's he's gone away from his Jedi roots, where his muscle like we don't use blasters; they're imprecise, <laughs> the horrible weapons. Nah, nah, nah. Not when Empire's kicking off, mate. He's got guns, and <laughs> I, I, I've I've opted for because you can only choose two stances between like checkpoints and stuff like that. I've opted for the. Uh, the gunslinger and the Kylo Ren, which is more like a um, tank, like a, a warrior, double-handed. Right. Yeah, it, really good for blocking Sekiro. You no, know, like you've got a katana, as if you've yeah. got a katana. But there's so much you can mix up and, and match and stuff, and <clears throat> the skill trees are not ridiculous. It's just if you think that while I've been playing it this this four four or five hours. I've, it felt more like God of War than anything to me. God of War Two, <clears throat> right? And I will say this now, without any shadow of doubt, it's got better level design than that. The level design is absolutely incredible. So you eventually get to this planet, which is your hub. Unlike <clears throat> Star Wars games of past and films, this this planet is not just one big ice planet. This is a planet with different zones. Do you know what I mean? It's got a real, real climates everywhere, here, there, and everywhere, yeah. and I've, I've been, I've been there. Every, I haven't got to another planet yet. It's, I'm just doing missions, sad bounty hunting. Oh, do you know the chest that's in Star Wars? The holographic thing. Let the it's in this. Yeah. Nice. It's in this as a, <laughs> as a separate, as a separate just game. Do you know, like the Tetra Master and Triple Triad. Yeah, it's its own thing. You go. Do you know when you could scan enemies on the last one? Yep. Every time you scan enemies on this, it turns into a chess piece. Oh, nice. <laughs> just hit Pokemon as well. That's cute. It's just <clears throat> it's just amalgamated everything we love from action adventure games and just perfected it into something that you love. Like it's weird that you can find a new beard in a in a in a in a, a loot crate. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, be- no, 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 that's that's tradition. I regularly so yours? I regularly find chests out <laughs> in, in the in the real world, open it up, there's a new beard design. I don't go for them because yeah, yeah. I'm quite happy with mine, but I've got a nice little collection in the cupboard. Yeah, but that's what it does. Like, you can you can customize Kyle completely, massively, like everything. But so it's not just not just thousands of ponchos. No, no. Uh, the, I even got. I, I actually found the poncho quite far in, and I got an achievement saying, "Ah, this reminds me of the old times." An achievement popped up. <laughs> but you can you can change his shoes, you can change his clothes, you can proper like kit him out. It gives you a reason to explore because you want to you want to make a, a BD um, one or whatever he's called that fucking. Little robot that's on your back. Yeah, you want to you want to pimp him out. You want to pimp your blaster out. You can even you, you can find cosmetics for your blaster. You can change it loadouts and you can do loads of stuff. Concussive blast. You can do you can do full um what's it called um pacifist runs. We don't have to kill anyone. You can be a Jedi. Nice. You can just you can just knock them out and stuff like that and collect bounties and it's just it's insane. And I'm only at like minutes into it in the grand scheme of things. It's quite a chunky game and. Already, it does this perfect thing. This is the last thing I'll say about it. It does this perfect thing where it's a perfect Star Wars timeline. It's just after the Separatists and and all and, and the Empire is just forming. So you've right. got Raja Raja droids, and you've also got Stormtroopers coming up, and they're battling together. Do you know what I mean? They're, nice. they're, they're, they don't like each other, and it's just you're in the middle, and it's 
it's just it it's, it seems like the game they wanted to make last time. It's yeah. really fucking polished and good on the PS5. Thing, the one thing I've seen <laughs> from the reviews that just makes me excited for it, because I still haven't finished Fallen Order, and I do want to finish it before I play this one. Yeah, you kind of do for the story, but there is a recap. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know, but I just want to enjoy my way through it. Um, but the one thing that sells it onto me, you can teleport between resting spots now. Yep. Where yep. You, yep. Like, yep. That was so frustrating with Fallen Order, where you'd like come, go back to a planet you've been <clears> to, and then have to yep. run halfway around the map to get to this thing you can now do because you've got yep. the power for it. So, yeah. What it yeah. what, what it does instead when you, when you teleport, it says we uh, on certain points when you teleport, it says we recommend you don't teleport on this. That means you know if you run back to where you need to go, there's going to be a bounty that you can collect. Yeah. On the way, if it doesn't say that, teleport, go for it. But you can always you, there's no missable things in it. You know what I mean? It's just it's an open planet. And it's just fucking so fucking. I've spent so long on that chess, so long, <laughs> so long playing that. Do you know what it plays like? Have you played um? What's it called? Is it Auto Chess? Is that what it's called? Yeah. That. Have you ever played that? Yes. Plays like that. It's really good. It's really fucking good. But yeah, so far it's just it's hitting that that triple A fucking throw everything at the wall, see if it sticks. This time it's stuck. And it's just so good to have that traversal that you... If you've played the last one, you know exactly how to control him. He even asks, did you play the last one? Do you want tutorials or not? I'm like, no, I played the last one. So I've just done it off on my own back. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, it, it just it respects you so much. And again, it's Respawn, isn't it? Doing the, the absolute best. And there's... there's, um, oh, there's from, from, from the... Um, there's like uh, Easter eggs to the to Titanfall as well, which made me Ugh. sad. Made me sad. But yeah, really good. I think it's fantastic. Don't get it on PC by all accounts. No. It's <laughs> fucked. Uh, PS5 is fantastic. You can get... I've seen it as cheap as um, 54 quid in some places, so... Quote-unquote, cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. If you like, if you, if, if you like God of War slash uh, Star Wars slash um, Uncharted, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's really good. Really, It's easy if you want it to be easy. It's difficult if you want it to be difficult. That's it. Jedi Survivor. Love it. Fantastic. Uh, Candy, what you been up to? I watched a film this week called The Platform, or just Platform, or if you're in Spain, The Hole. Um, Spanish film. <laughs> it's hard to describe exactly what genre it is. I would say mostly horror, but according to Wikipedia, it's, uh, it's a, a social science Gosh. fiction horror film. Mm-hmm. Who's seen it? Stig, you look like you have. Yes. Okay. I have opinions. So to start <laughs> off with the plot... <laughs> You're thrown straight in. There's no preamble. You wake up in the the, the main character um, wakes up in a cell. You see the label 48 and he has one cellmate. There's a hole in the middle of the cell, which um, every 24 hours it brings down food. And they learn that their number, their level 48 of at this point in the film, they don't know how many. So at the top level, you get all this amazing well-presented gourmet level food and you've got 10 minutes or whatever it is to eat as much as you want before it goes down to the next level and all the way down so once you get to level 48 you have the scraps and the remainders of what every other level has left kind of thing you can't right. le- you can't you can't keep food for later because they'll well there, there's reasons why you can't like take food from the table and store it um this started Really good. There's plenty of there's pr- plenty of gore. There's, uh, it feels very claustrophobic, but 
but in a kind of interesting way. Like the concept of it is really interesting and you can tell why it's a social commentary. I felt like this film kind of shit the bed towards the end. Like oh, yeah. there's, there's not a massive amount of story or character development apart from this like slowly descending into madness. Because this, this, this guy has signed up for six months for a, um, in return for a, a degree. So every, every single month they're sorted onto a different level. And again, you could end up in level one or you could le- in, end up in the bowels of hell, essentially. Um, so, and so every month you end up with a different cellmate and you end up on a different level. And it's just the way that people are reacting to who they're with and just what level they're on and trying to deal with their mental state and everything. And that's more or less all there is to it. Like we don't get to see the very top level. I would have loved to have seen that. Um, and there's, there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of development or explanation as to what's going on at the point where it shits the bed is the point where you realize we are going to get no explanation other than it being a literal social commentary on people, you know, taking only what they need and then sending it on. And as a society, we can survive if everyone just takes what they need rather than just kind of overindulging. You mean socialism? Yeah, that's well, yeah. (laughs) They said it had never worked. The good, the good side of socialism. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just, the concept was good and I was really invested and it, it basically jumped the shark. What did you think, Stig? Exactly the same. I thought it started really well. It looked like it was having something to say and it had some kind of interesting concepts and, and a little bit of horror in the kind of the way that people acted and you know the people were so greedy and all about themselves and they didn't think about the people below them. And in the ending just I was just like, the fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah, no no sort of expert. I, I'm, I understand it's, it's a make of it what you will type situation, but there seem to be two points kind of going on at the same time. Um, that just yeah, stinks but- to me of like, we don't know how to end this, so we've just put an ambiguous ending on the end and you figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and small budget, because it was clearly the same set the whole way through. <laughs> What's he called again, sorry? The platform in English or holes in Spanish. Oh, and just to say, I, I watched it both um, subbed and dubbed. So I watched it dubbed in English with the closed caption subtitles. And there was quite a bit of difference between what was being said and what was translated. And mm. I don't think that the film suffers because of that. I don't think it was a translational issue. I think it was just the story. Yeah. But, so not, to rec- not recommended then, no? <sighs> I mean, it might have it might have its audience, but I don't think it's as clever as it thinks it is. I think if you're looking, okay. I think if you're looking for a thinker, it's probably not not the one to go for. <clears throat> it would have been nice to have just a little bit more explanation. I think just a peek behind the yeah. curtain. So yeah, mm. wouldn't recommend that one. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Don't waste your time, guys. Um, speaking of time wasters, Biggie. <laughs> Yeah, still been watching this succession on season four now. Oh, um, Jesus. I'm I'm still only halfway through season three. That that man still knows playing that uh, divinity. Um, yeah, I'm addicted to succession for that doubt. But very quickly, all I did was uh, downloaded the Street Fighter Six demo and then yes, uninstalled please it tell me it's immediately. good immediately. Uh, well, uh, you download the demo, you get into creating your fighter how you want. It's quite an in-depth character creator. Yeah, I've heard. spend time on that. You can. 
Um, then you get introduced to the gym, and I assume you've seen the iconic Street Fighter Six character, this new guy, Luke, I think his name is. Yeah, Luke. Um, he's basically your trainer. They're trying you to push him as the new, of... like, Rio, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, and you go through a little bullshit. training with him, and then after that you get told to go out into the real world and meet other fighters to learn so your do you wa- do you skills. physically walk around? And that's as far as I got, because you start to walk oh. around... You bump into some characters um, that you can learn some skills off, and the voice sync is awful. The graphics are shit. <laughs> oh, um, don't! And I thought, fuck this. This is not aimed at me and uninstalled. This is so, why. Yeah. This is why I've been. T- I was saying to Stig as well. I think Tekken's probably going to be the one this year. Okay, right. Have you seen it? It looks incredible. Yeah, Tekken. Tekken looks yeah. just 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 Tekken. No no fancy gimmicks running about. No. Because obviously, remember Street Fighter Five. It launched with no content, and this time they seem to be pushing content at you that you don't want. Tekken well, well, is just Tekken, man. Well, yeah, but Street Fighter Five also released with no content, and then they started charging you for all of the content. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, I admire them trying to do something a bit different. Because I think the biggest problem people had with Street Fighter Four to Five was it was essentially Nothing. the same game. So um, at least they're trying to do something. But yeah, Tekken, man, like the, when they showed that trailer and like this is in looks game, insane in game graphics it's like wow <laughs> i mean tekken's well, this always one, you... pushed hasn't it like yeah. tekken 3 looked as good as a ps2 game on ps1 you know what i mean it's, 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 it's always pushed this has gone for a sort of fortnite graphic art hip-hop kind of yeah yeah look and that. feel Graffiti you're going to the everywhere. street and you're running around like fifa street almost <laughs> fifa street fighter yeah <laughs> fifa street fighter <laughs> 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 Yes. It also felt a bit like, um, you know, PlayStation Home, you know, that sort of hub. Kind oh, of shite. Oh, just shite. And I the first girl thing. you Connections. meet has got, like, pink hair. She's wearing a hat. When she started talking and her mouth just opens up, <laughs> up and down, up and down. And it yeah, I Japanese, just thought, oh, yeah. You know. So, yeah, I'm sure the fight in itself is probably fine. But I, Save I his money for Tekken and Estig. Aimed at me. So, yeah. yeah. Wait for reviews on that one, I feel. Not yeah. impressed. I, I like I like to see Paul in Tekken with his, his hair down. Lovely. Stunning. Yeah, I'm not St- sure about that yet. Stunning. He looks awesome. He looks like out an old man. Run out of gel, hasn't he? <laughs> that man's 70 years old. Had, <laughs> his, had his gel taken off him at customs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Gadget, what you been doing, bruv? Uh, so I continued on my Hollow Knight adventures. I've now beaten the game um, 100% and the... First of the DLCs started the boss rush mode, and then realised I've beaten all these bosses. Maybe I don't need to do this immediately. Um, do. But it is, it is it is good. I've beaten the first Pantheon, but uh, stuck on the second one. It's a lot. Yeah, second second one's probably hardest one. Honestly, mate. It's a well, I yeah. I, I really did enjoy the fight with uh, the, the the two nail masters that you get at the end of that one. That so was, much better in it. It's so fun that fight. Um, yeah, ironically, I'm stuck at the third nail master one, uh, the, the painter, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, painter yeah, yeah, shield. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, just fabulous game. Um, so the things I've done this week, I've only been kind of little things. Um, so uh, I'm going to rattle off two quick ones here. Uh, they be quick, bruv. Oh yeah, they're, they're quick, mostly because I, I've only put a, a couple of hours into both of them. The first one was I, I started playing uh, the last case of Benedict Fox because that came out this week on Xbox. What? And I uninstalled it very quickly afterwards. I did not enjoy that game at oh, all. Oh, no. I've been looking forward to that. I didn't even know it came out this week. Yeah, yeah, it came out on Thursday. 
Um, so it's a, a, a Metroidvania um, with kind of eldritch horror-y vibes to it. You're exploring uh, Benedict Fox's, uh, the, the, the mansion of Benedict Fox's supposed father. He doesn't know who his parents are. He has this creepy eldritch horror beast that comes with him. I think he calls it the passenger or something like that, but it's like friends to it. it it's a bit like the 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 Venom symbiote. It, it talks to him and he gives him kind of advice and takes the piss out of him. That kind like of. that game, The Darkness. Yeah, like that, a little, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's a bit more genial about things. Um, you end up then travelling into Limbo. You find, your, you find your supposed father's corpse and you go into his memories and into Limbo and that's where the bulk of the combat and all that kind of stuff happens. I think this is a symptom of me just coming off Hollow Knight because I thought the combat fucking sucked. It was janky. Timing was really hard. Um, and not in a way like, oh, it's a hard game. You've got to get good. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Some enemies I could block. Some enemies I could dodge through. Not most of them I couldn't. Dodge is on the right stick. It's not on the button. So I'm getting fucking murked all the time while I'm trying to attack and then dodge. Yeah. Not having it. Get good. Um, I beat the first boss, um, which was a giant anglerfish and I was it wasn't particularly fun. And I I just got to the point where I'm exploring through the mansion, even like the exploration mechanics were good. Like the movement isn't smooth. Um I just didn't enjoy it. I really didn't enjoy it. Um people have been it's got like mixed reviews on Steam as well. And yeah, I don't think it's 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 not a winner that one. Not a winner, uh, I'd avoid it. Okay. Um but it's on Game Pass if you want to try it. Like you're not losing anything by trying it. Uh, the other thing I started, which I am enjoying, is uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, okay, Yakuza Like a Dragon, yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, so this one is, well, it's Yakuza 7, uh, and it's the first game to move away from Kiryu. You play on this one, Ichiban, who is a, starts the game as a low-level grunt working for a low-tier family in Kamurocho. I can never get that right. Um who gets sent to prison because one of the higher-ups in that family kills someone supposedly higher up in the clan, which apparently is bad form. So Ichiban gets sent to prison in his stead because they don't want to send the captain. That makes sense. Uh, and he's very happy to do it. Um, for some reason, he spends 18 years in prison for it. I'm not sure I would be that happy to spend and 18 years grows. in prison. And his hair grows. Um, I'm only into the middle of chapter two at the minute, so I don't really have much to say about it, but I, I am enjoying it. The dragon engine has never looked better. Like, it looks really good. They've done it, especially the face work. The face work is so much better than it. I like Ichiban more than I like Kiryu. It's because he's daft. Well, it's not necessarily because he's daft. It's because What's he's... his favourite game? Dragon Quest. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> Which they bring up several times in the opening chapter. I'll wait for the game, mate. <laughs> But I, I, I like Ichiban more than I like Kiryu. I think mostly because um, Ichiban has some character to him. Kiryu was like stoic to a fault. It was like watching dialogue with a stone. Until he uh, gets, until he adopts some uh, his daughter and that. He, he kind of opens Yeah, up. but even then, he's not particularly nice to be around. Is <laughs> <laughs> it isn't the Yakuza, mate? No, no, <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, nice. no. I mean, he's not personable. Like he's the, 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 he, yeah. he is a good character, a good person. Uh, and this one, Ichiban, he's a bit of a dickhead. He's a, he's a, he's a bit of a chancer. He, a bit. The first, the first thing he does is come out of prison. His hair's growing long, and he goes because he went to prison uh, on uh, two thousand and one. For some reason, he goes and asks and asks the barber for a punch perm. Yeah, which then comes out as this kind of wild anime hair, and it's fucking hilarious. It's absolutely mad. What fashion he's, was back then. Yeah, he's furious. He's fucking wandering around in this kind of red velour suit with his wild backcombed hair, 
It's, he he looks, doesn't know what a smartphone is or anything, does he? Nah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm liking him. I, I like him a lot. And I, the big change with this one also is that it moved to a more like a Dragon Quest game. It's turn-based battles rather than brawling. And I yeah. think they work better. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? This is this is going to be the battle system ongoing now, apparently. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because they're changing the name from Yakuza 2 just like a dragon. So this is technically oh, yeah. like, like a dragon, like a dragon. Um, yeah. The... <laughs> But yeah, I, I I I like it. It works. It's it's kind of a little bit Dragon Questy, a little bit Final Fantasy twelve. You you know, you can move around the arena, you can dodge attacks. If you knock somebody down, you can get extra attacks on them, stuff like that. Um and it makes it makes sense. And it, I think I prefer it to the brawling, because I'm not a very good fighting game player. I forget combos, I just button mash. So playing the other Yakuza games I've played, they're all brawlers. I was just forgetting combos left, right, and center. Whereas this, I can sit and I can plan. You know, I can do I do tactics. I can um, you can with when you've got party members with you, you can synergize with them in certain attacks. So yeah, I I like it a lot, and it's just it's got that charm that the Yakuza games just have, where everything's just a massive soap opera of insanity. Mm. So, so yeah, I'll I'll probably do a, a a proper section on that one when I finish it. But yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's very long if you finish it. I know. Well, fucking Yakuza Zero wasn't exactly a short game, was it? Did you finish it? Yes. 42 oh, hours. Right yeah, this, I think this one's quite a bit longer. Like 20, 20, 20 hours for Yakuza Kiwami 1 and then 30 hours for Kiwami 2. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. I like I like it. I think it's I think it's a really good game. Excellent. Stig. Well, I was going to I've got a positive one and a negative one, but everyone's been so negative about things. <laughs> Just join in, I it's wasn't. fine. I was being very positive. Yeah, I know you were. Uh, was, but, uh, I, was, I, I was half positive. Yeah. No, I'm going to go with a negative one. I'll save the other one for the for the green room because I want to talk about this one more. Um, I watched Scream 6 this week. Oh, I've been dying to hear what you, want, what you had to say about this. Um, uh, so I'm someone who didn't really get on with Scream 5. Everyone, gave it a, everyone seemed to give it a lot of praise, saying, oh, it's the, the franchise is back. Um, but I don't know. Some are just didn't hit right with me Scream 5 I thought it was overly nasty to a fault and uh, I know it's about someone stabbing people and that but there's there's levels isn't there like where it's just <laughs> do you know where it kind of revels in its nastiness and I think it's yeah, yeah like I said to its fault and I just didn't really click with any of the characters I think it's probably an age thing mm. or, or these young gen gen X's I don't really have a I never had a problem with gen X's I just no, Gen Z, Zed's in it, sorry. Yeah. Getting my generations mixed up. Uh, I don't have a problem with them. I think some of them are really cool and funny, but I just couldn't click with this group of characters that they'd introduced in five at all. And so six <laughs> takes place um, a year after with four of the survivors of uh, five who have now tried to make a fresh start in New York City. However, they soon find themselves fighting against a new ghost faced. And I just thought it was really shit and dumb and it just wound me up so much like um the dialogue whole concept is tiring now anyway it is so i mean you know we talked the other week about franchises that should end this one should have ended with three when three i thought people were saying this were good yeah well people are wrong um <laughs> I, I just i i i don't get it i don't know what people see in this film because genuinely the dialogue's terrible some of the acting's terrible uh, this one sees obviously the return of General Ortega, Melissa 
Ferreira, they're the two sisters. Courtney Cox is back. Uh, Hayden Panettiere is Kirby, who was in Scream 4, returns for this one. Um, and I just think that the acting between from some of the younger cast just isn't that good at all. And like I said, the dialogue, I'm going to read you. I made a note of this when she actually said it in the film because it made me laugh out loud. Um, she says, I didn't want to be afraid of the monsters. I wanted the monsters to be afraid of me. <laughs> I'll dance, dance, dance. Uh, just hashtag not like other girls. Yeah, it's just so bad and cringy, and uh, it's the stupid decisions. I could not, could not count the amount of times I was just like, I kept, I kept, I had a gadget moment in this where I I've <laughs> literally did a gadget Fast and Furious where I just kind of had a, an outburst at the screen. I was just like, what the fuck was that? Like, I like how you put yourself through all this. Uh, stupid. Uh, because my wife likes to watch horror films and sometimes you just have to spend some time with your wife, even when she makes you watch shit films. Um, oh, no. And Isn't it obvious that Courtney Cox is the one running around with a rubber mask? Oh, I'd love it if that's how it ended. <laughs> the problem with this is the reveal is really shit. Five, I think the reveal is actually really good and works, and it works for a current generation of YouTubers and um, like conspiracy theories and people being drawn into stuff on TikTok and, and Twitter and going down that deep, dark rabbit hole and, you know, the kind of incel culture and whatnot. Five has that actually really good reveal it works this does not work in the slightest one bit it's a terrible reveal i obviously won't spoil it but it was so bad and i just hated it so much like and the decisions made by people in this film from the victims and the killer make no sense it's not even to a point of where oh if you're in that situation you wouldn't know what to think you wouldn't know what to do not like you are literally making stupid decisions and takes the mask off and it's Officer Doofy from the uh, scary movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's on that line. Honestly, it's, it's terrible. Is it, is it one of those films where they've basically thought, the, thought of the set pieces and then tried to work it backwards into a story and it just doesn't hang together? Yeah, I think so. Like, there is two moments in this film and the one that made me like react viscerally was twice somebody alerts the killer to their presence before they shoot them. Twice. <laughs> so rather than just shooting the killer who's trying to stab someone, they go, hey! And then the killer has a chance to look and <laughs> get away. <laughs> Fucking hell. And I was just like, if you see your friend, someone's trying to kill your friend, don't alert them. Just fucking shoot them. Yeah. Especially in America. Yeah. Like and one of them, like this is right near the beginning of the film, he gets killed for it, so it's his own fault for alerting the killer. <laughs> That's what you get. <laughs> but yeah, I just yeah, I just can't. I really can't. Like, just end this fucking franchise. Stab it to death. <laughs> Unfortunately, it just it's not good. And I don't understand anyone who thinks it is. Oh, that's a bummer. I remember quite. What's I, Courtney Cox going to do if they end the series? Though she's got nothing else on her. She's her plate. She's got she? plenty of money. She'll have to worry that's about it. that. <laughs> just just sit, sit on her millions from friends. Mm. Yeah, I remember being. I think I was pre- pleasantly surprised by. Like it wasn't anything amazing, but I remember being pleasantly surprised by five. I think it's got on on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got sixty something percent. 
uh, what Scream Scream Six is seventy seven. Seventy seven. Sorry, seventy seven from critics, ninety one from audiences. I, I, you must have watched a different film to me because <laughs> it's just not clever anymore. Like Scream One was really clever. Scream Two car- mm. carried that on. It wasn't as good, but it kind of carried it on, and it just I don't know, like <sighs> whatever. It's crap. <laughs> Excellent, excellent, excellent. Don't watch these things that people say are crap. Don't play these things that people say are crap. Only play and watch the good things. We do it Let's for move you. On. We do it for them, don't we? That's, we do it that's for what you. I hear. We're we public service. We're going to move on to the main topic. And this week is the first week of Non-Fiction Week. Month. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, the first week of Non-Fiction Week. Yes, and we're going to be talking about... Um, Basically, uh, documentaries, films, TV shows, even like video essays on YouTube that we love. Um, and I'll start off because I've only got the one, and it's one that really it's quite modern in grand scheme of things. But I I, I adore it. It's it's a horror documentary called The Planets, and you, you'll know why it's a horror very soon because I'm scared of space. <laughs> Yeah, it's a horror for you. <laughs> yeah, it's not horror. It's uh, it's a television documentary series about the solar system presented by Professor Brian Cox uh, in the UK. And do you know who they've got in the American version? Who? Zachary Quinto. What? That's nowhere near as good as Brian Cox. I mean, he's, he's, he's got a good voiceover voice, but he doesn't really have the gravitas, does he? It's because he was Spock, wasn't he? He was Spock. Oh, okay, I see. Well, yeah, That's I get the... that. But he was also in Heroes and he was shit in that. Mm. Sila. I was good in Heroes. <laughs> it was good in season one. I did like Heroes. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, 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 it's a documentary, obviously, about the planets. The planets in our solar system. Um, directed by uh, Stephen Cooter and Martin Johnson. And believe it or not, guys, it's one of my favourite documentaries. And it's from the BBC. It's rare for me, that, isn't it? It's rare for me. However, I do own them on DVD. I didn't watch them on the BBC. <laughs> I think it's in conjunction with PBS as well. I think PBS is an American one. I don't know what that means. PBS. PBS? Public Broadcasting Service. Peanut butter sandwich. Peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, so, yeah, if you don't know who Brian Cox is, he's he's basically the rock star physicist, isn't he, of Britain? He was in D-Ream, the band D-Ream from the 90s. (laughs) D-Ream. Things can only get better. (laughs) Yeah, the the uh, Tony Blair anthem. Things can only get better. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nineties. He was the not from time. them, was he? Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's from player. D-Ream. Keyboard, yeah. No way. Yeah. I did not. Yeah, yeah. Wow, did not know that. And he's he's an astrophysicist. And for me, and for my money, I've read loads of his books. I've got one of his books right here to hand. Um, this one's uh, the Universal: A Journey Through the Cosmos. I think he's probably the best astrophysicist of our generation. Um, he's really approachable. He dumbs it down for people that need it dumbing down for. But he also doesn't make you feel stupid when he well, tells like, you stuff. Well, like Neil deGrasse Tyson does. Neil deGrasse Tyson is a bit too cocky for my liking. He's an arsehole. He's just a bit like, as if you didn't know this. Is it? I'm like, dude, you're an astrophysicist. I sell phones for a living. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> How can I relate to that? How can I relate to that? But yeah, it's a documentary. It's a five-part documentary as well. I think they're an hour each each episode. Uh, I've got them all on Blu-ray. And it's, I don't know if you've seen The Planets. It's not personally. St- it's <laughs> it's stunning. Too flat. It 
It, it, wow. Stop that. I man. was there for the Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you've said it. I'm glad you've said it. Now, anyone that knows me, me uh, completed podcast, it. Anyone that knows me and listens to this podcast know I'm a, I've, I've got megalophobia. I'm yep. scared of open expanses and me giant too. things. And and the cosmos and the planets and the solar system and the galaxy and the universe frightens the fuck out of me. But I'm morbidly fascinated by it. I'm exactly Do the you know, same. If you're, the reason I love these, because it goes in depth. Every, every episode's different. It starts, you've got Earth, you've got the outer planets, you've got the, inner, the gas giants, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's peculiarly obsessed with Saturn. Peculiarly obsessed, but then again, a lot of astrophysicists are obsessed with Saturn because it's the miracle of the solar system. Everything about it's Saturn the coolest is, looking planet, isn't it? It's wild. It's just a wild planet that shouldn't exist, but it does. And what, when I watch this, I'm morbidly fascinated by, like, if you're ever down, you're ever depressed, just think about how insignificant you are, and it makes you feel even more depressed. No, I'm joking. It makes I it personally it makes me feel better. That we're all just that little bit of part of nature. Do you know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's yeah. like your tiny problems, like oh no, she doesn't fancy me. Oh, oh no, I forgot to pay council tax. Oh no, this that this that. It's nothing. It's nothing. In, it, it pales in comparison to, to how small we are when you see just our local solar system. Do you know how long it takes for us to get to the dwarf planet Pluto? Do you think how long it take? Ages. Ten years. No, oh, more than more ten, than 10 years. years. More than ten. Oh, it's five, it five years so, to Mars, isn't it? It's about fourteen. No, it's not. It's, it's, no, it's not five years it, to Mars anymore. Nine, nine months to Mars. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's about just under a year. Used to be it's thirty <laughs> seconds. I heard. Bury me, bury me. Just to get to the the the. the just to get to the Earth cloud, the, just just outside the the edges of our solar system. I, I think I think um, Discovery's only just got there. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Voyager hit it. I think it was Voyager. Like, that's it. Voyager. Uh, Voyager got there. What? Maybe twenty three years after it left. Something yeah. like that. And that was just after swinging think, around the sun and going back across. Yeah, and using using the gravity of the actual sun. And this is what fascinates me. It's the talk of all this. And the, uh, and my favorite, believe it or not, the fa- my favorite episode in this in this documentary is the Earth one. Because how lucky are we? The, the, do you know the mathematical equation that Earth exists and we exist is? I think it's I think it's one in a, a, a goggleplex. A mm. goggleplex is a number that you can't quantify. Do you know what I mean? It's a number that continues to keep going and go. You can't even write it down on a piece of paper. That's how infinitesimal it is that we exist. And it's fascinating that astrophysicists use. And I've I've had this argument on on our Discord like I think space travel is a waste of time, but I don't think space discovery is a waste of time. You know what I mean, probes, things like that. But I think sending a man to Mars is the biggest waste of fucking time. Why? It's just for territory. They're, yeah, sending... they're sending people to Mars so that they can mine it. They can be the first people to mine it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're not doing it for science, no. are they? Really, they're doing it for profit. Well, it's, but sending it's probes discovery and... in that, isn't it? It's, about... it's for still now. Discovery, for now. Yeah, for, yeah exactly. Sorry, I, I, got... I think I think this. We've got forty-three. Years, too much. Forty years. Go on. Forty years time, and uh, Zephyr yeah. Cochrane will have invented warp speed. So we've, yes, yeah. We're, yeah, we're on track. Yeah, it's true. We're on track. Very true. Yeah. We're on track. We're getting there. We get our <laughs> lifetime, guys. Our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we but, should all still yeah. be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not me. But <laughs> I, I think. I think it's it's just fascinating how again how 
us on Earth. They use they use like Neptune, for instance. That it tells us about uh, natural gases on Earth. It tells us about just everything about it and 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 the building of the and and that's what this documentary does. It does the perfect, simplified but also intelligent analysis without any religion. And I'm sorry to say it, I am an atheist, guys, but I'm sick of these American documentaries that pop up and they'll say, some say the Big Bang is why we're all it. Stop. You don't have to say some say. <laughs> <laughs> they do it because they're scared of the public because obviously Americans like 90% Christian. This documentary just goes, so the Big Bang happened, right? <laughs> and, then, and this is what's happening now. It's ever-expanding. There's no God. He doesn't outright say no God. He just doesn't mention it. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't mention it. Isn't it enough that we name the planets after pagan gods? Just accept that. Have that. That's that's all you need. But I just I just think it's it's perfect. And the music, the whole soundtrack is by Muse, which a lot of people don't realise. The band Ooh, Muse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All all the ambient music and everything's just Muse. The intros, uh, a, a track called "The Void." Um, which is the scariest thing in my mind, the void. The void is frightening. <laughs> it scares the fuck out of me, but I just think it's sensational. And it's, it's 2019. It's, it's, not a, it's not an old documentary at all, but if you've got any interest in the, the, just our local cluster, which that's, that's just how, how weird it is. It's astrophysicists, astrophysicists just call it the local cluster, as if it's like... You can nip to. Ah, I'm, nip, I'm nipping to Neptune. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> you, you can't nip to Neptune. It's just. I just think it's fucking a sensational documentary, and one of the only BBC documentaries I own and can outright say, that's probably worth your license fee. And that's it. That's that's my documentary. So I want to know what you guys are thinking. Um, a man that existed long before documentaries existed, Biggie. What's your favourite? How the fuck can you go next after all that? Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a big hip-hop fan, so I mentioned it before on the pod. I wanted to mention um, Hip Hop Evolution, which is currently on Netflix. It's good, isn't it? Uh, so far, there's four seasons of it. Um, yeah, really, really good. It's hosted by Juno Award-winning artist Shad, and he basically just travels around um, generally the States, but checking in with um, all the various culture icons and I'm going to chat about how it started and where DJing originated, rapping, etc. Really well put together documentary, very in deep dive into people's backgrounds, how they got started, where hip hop is sort of now and stuff like that. And it's just very informative. If you think you know any sort of music you're into, um, a documentary like this just gives you that extra info that you just go, oh, did not know that. And it's just really good, really well done. I hope they do another season of that. Um, had to mention Making a Murderer again. Mm. Um, fantastic. Uh, season one is better than uh, season two, but it's still a batshit story. Um, won't go into it too much, but it basically just tells the story of a guy called Stephen Avery. Um, he served 18 years in I prison. I don't like murdering ones. Well, it's a tough one because he served a prison sentence for 18 years for a wrongful conviction of sexual assault and attempted murder. And then he was banged up again. Um, in 2005 for a murder of um, a journalist, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And the the other issue with the story is that his nephew um, was accused and convicted as an accessory, even though there was no real proper evidence for it. And it's just a fascinating story about 
how broken um, American law is and why these I, two potentially innocent people are in prison. Still, I still can't figure out if they're innocent or not. People, I, people go. That's a difficult one. People go. Yeah, the, the guilty, the, the guilty, and then you look at all the other stuff. And I know that they that, that documentary is kind of pushing you towards one side. Yeah. But it, the guy was about to win a huge lawsuit from the state and become a millionaire, and then all of a sudden, all this evidence started appearing <coughs> that linked him to this fresh murder. Mm. As if, as if the state framed him. It I'm, comes I'm across as that. I'm inclined to say that I think that he did. Obviously, you know, there is a lot of stacking against him. But I think there's actually, there was a law passed, and I don't know if it was because of him or because of um, the West Memphis Three case. I don't know if you you heard of that one. No. But three three young lads were sent to jail for a murder, basically um, based on them wearing metal T-shirts on Metallica T-shirts. And they were found uh, found guilty. Guilty. And then they were released... um, 30 odd years later, and I think because they were then able to sue the state for wrongful imprisonment, they now, there's a law that if you're going to be released from jail, you are not allowed to sue the state. Such and I think. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Wrong, wrong way to go about it. Yeah. 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 Oh, Absolutely. sorry that we took 30 years of your life, but. Hit. If you want to get out, you're just going to have to like yeah. it or lump it. Yeah. You can't sue people in, in this country for the same thing. The only thing you can do is get your record scratched from mm. you know, the criminal record but, and old, so you don't have to declare it for jobs and stuff, but you don't get you don't get money back from government. Mm. The thing is about making a murderer one, though, is that there's evidence to suggest <clears throat> that he would have done it, but the, the, the coercion of his nephew, who at the time was only like 16, the police, yeah. the way they questioned him was completely illegal. He was on his own. And they this is literally a bit where they, they scour his trailer and they can't find anything. And then they just go back one more time. They go, just go and have a look one more time. And then all of a sudden they find the the her yeah. they find her <laughs> keys behind a, a bedside table and like no one looked there before. Mm. Bullshit. <laughs> and oh, oh, it's just I, it's so I've not I've not seen it and I don't want to cast aspersions and stuff like that and getting in, in, involved in some criminal cases, but You've got to remember as well with these some of these documentaries, especially the Netflix ones, they're dramatised, so a lot of it's not what you see. I mean, they are, me. but they do have all the lawyers. Like, the lawyers are literally there going through everything with you at the yeah. same time. And there's a season yeah. two where there was another lawyer who found even more evidence to support his claim. Yeah. Mm. Like, it's not like it's just I Netflix. Like, they're actually, they've got it all there saying, look, this has happened, this has happened. And, mm. and like Sticky says, you can... People will go away thinking different things, but for me personally, I, I felt like he was innocent. And, and some of the people yeah, on the yeah, prosecutor, you can make your own mind up. The prosecutor inside seemed proper dodgy. Yeah. Well, so yeah, you're telling me that the the, the American criminal systems dodgy and the justice systems dodgy. <laughs> yes. That's no exactly one's ever said that in the history of the world. You heard it here first. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, the other one, for obvious reasons, is Tiger Kings. I was late for that one. I missed. All of that when it first came out, but yeah, batshit documentary. Do you know, um, in grand scheme of things, it's not a good documentary, is it? No, it's a terrible it's a documentary. Good tale. No. It's a good tale. Um, it's a good story, yeah, oh, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's it, not very it, well edited or paced or anything like well, that. Well, it's 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 less that it tells a story that the director wanted to tell, but it might not yes. necessarily be the right story. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It really angles on um on like. Character assassinating. Um, so there's Carol too Baskins much gay, and... gay panic for me. It's too much. There's gay a fair panic bit of gay panic. 
It's like, oh no, he's gay. What? What a revelation. You look at him. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking mystery. Yeah. I mean, to be you fair, the man is gay panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that man is gay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's the only, the, the, like, the, the only, like, weird thing I get from that Tiger King is there seems to be, like, a lot of, the, the talking heads seem to be, like, take one, take two, take, do you know, like, as if it's not legit. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's very entertaining, though. Hasn't yeah. Carol Baskin's husband um, turned before, up recently but... as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they say. That's what they say, don't they? Mad. Um, yeah, I mentioned uh, 9-11 before. Um, it's a yeah. fascinating documentary. The Fantastic two brothers filming separately on the day. Uh, that's just, uh, for me, a, a must Harrowing. Horrendous. Uh, very much so. Very it, much so it, it, honestly, important. as much as conspiracy exists and stuff like that, you understand why that country is so paranoid. Yeah. You can't blame them for it. Mm. Do you get what I mean? No. Something like that, you cannot blame them for it. It's not fair. No. Mm. Um, another unusual one, which I won't go into too much detail because the subject matter, but Capturing the Freedmen's um, yeah. it's a fascinating documentary, which actually started out um, in a completely different way, where the <laughs> director was initially making a short film called Just a Clown. Um, he was looking at yeah. children birthday party entertainers in New York City, and then he discovered this particular person he was looking into had a very sinister past to do with child went off the molestation. rails quite fast. Very much so with recorded home footage of um, interactions. Not obviously the, that stuff, but just yeah. interactions with families and stuff. It's yeah, yeah really dark, really fascinating um, documentary. Um, and another one I mentioned before was Summer of Soul. Um, about the almost like the Blackwood stock. I still think people should watch that. It's brilliant by Questlove. Uh, fantastic. Um, about why it was never originally technically shown on TV. And finally, uh, from bedrooms to billions. Um, because of my my retro head stuff is uh just over a two hour documentary about the bedroom um coders from 1979 to present day. About That's the, really good. That film. Computer technology in the UK, how it inspired a generation of uh, enthusiasts, hobbyists, school kids, bedroom coders, and entrepreneurs to make the uh, UK one of the, at the time, the, uh, the biggest uh, computer industries. Oh, it was massive. It was massive back then. Mm. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. There's so many Candy. to choose from. Yeah. Candy, Candy, what you got? Well, I struggle because I brought quite a lot of documentaries that I prefer to the one that I'm bringing to the Nexus, but I think this is one of the ones that will, this one that I'm bringing will certainly provoke a reaction, whether it be negative or positive towards this particular actor. And it's Jim and Andy, the great beyond. And it's a documentary that um, revolves around Jim Carrey uh, portraying Andy Kaufman on the film, Man of the Moon. I've seen it. Um, So this is footage made up of um, uh, footage, sorry, that Jim Carrey had stored in his offices for 20 odd years. And it's the method acting documentary, isn't it? It is method acting gone wild. Um, And the reason this hadn't seen the light of day before is because Universal put a halt to it. They they did not want this getting out. They did not want people thinking that Jim Carrey is an asshole. It made Carrey looked insane, didn't it, as well? It's It's a crazy, batshit crazy actor playing acting batshit crazy whilst playing an arguably even crazier comedian, Andy Kaufman. Because <laughs> by all accounts, he, oh, he was next level insane. The man was insane. 
Um, Kaufman was an horrible bastard as well. He was a horrible bastard, yeah, for sure. And I mean, oh God, but it must have been a screw loose. But in the same way, what's he famous for again? What's that? Andy Kaufman, the guy. Taxi. Yeah. Kaufman is comedian. He was in Taxi. Yeah, it was seventies, wasn't it? So actually, I didn't before I saw the film. I didn't know a whole lot about him because I was just. He did the he did the talk show circuit massively because people were obsessed with him. He did loads of wrestling. Yeah, the fight with Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Yeah. And Jerry Lawler hated him. Actually hated him. No, well, apparently, uh, yeah. Not really. Oh, was was that just a joke for the So it was talk it's, it's actually that's yeah, that's oh. that's touched on the documentary because Jim Carrey was provoking it because it's actually him that's in the film, uh The Man on the Moon. Yeah. And he was whilst in character as Andy Kaufman, because he just stayed as in character the entire time. He made everyone call him Andy even, on set. Even he, in the trailer and stuff, didn't it? Yeah, and he um he basically said that he felt like he was possessed by Andy Kaufman. But, you know, this, yeah. this wrestler came out and said, he was not like this towards me in real life. You know, we were friends. We, we planned these things. And Jim, Jim Carrey, as Andy, was there just provoking him and trying to, find, like, trying to provoke an actual fight. But it's, it's the moments where he, this, this character that Andy Kaufman used to play, um, Tony Clifton, and you can yeah. see that the, yeah. the other actors and the, stagehands were just visibly awkward, visibly upset, including like... They hated it, didn't they? They hated it, Danny DeVito. And the, the director's completely pandering to him as well, like talking to him as if he's a child. And he's, he's playing Andy Kaufman as, as if he is a child. Like he's got this yeah. kind of... The, the way that he speaks and everything, it's as if he's playing him like he's stupid, like he's dumb. And I don't think that's that was the case at all. I think it's just, you know, he's... It was a character he was playing. I read, I read a book uh, called The Tisms of Andy Kaufman, and apparently he had autism, he had every tism going. It's got to be. And, and uh, Hollywood and the, the, the machine didn't have a name for what he was back then, obviously. Yeah. And they, they just abused him, and he abused them, and it was just the worst fucking... And and this is what Jim Carrey tried to tap into. By the time Man on the Moon came out, which again is a film based on the REM song, isn't it? Because he talks about Andy Kaufman in the REM yeah. song. Well, the and, REM song's based on him. Oh yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But it's it's all it's all. It's, but Jim Carrey knew that by this point that he did have all these tisms. That's what they like to call them, don't they? Mm. And it's just it's just one of those. It's it's a really tough documentary to watch, personally. It I is because it, you're either it's it's either rep- his behaviour can be really repulsive. Like there was a moment where, yeah. and because all the other actors and the crew were pre- pretty much like I said, it was pandering to him. There's there's a point where the guy that was playing his father comes in and starts having an argument, and they they're both having an argument in character, but it's like they're channeling yes. them both, and it makes the lady that's doing his makeup cry, like she, she's that upset yeah. by it, and. You know that you can hear them saying, "Please don't get Tony Clifton out again. I don't want to see Tony Clifton." But it it yeah, yeah, takes yeah. a more sinister turn, I think, because he was channeling him to the point where Andy Kaufman's actual family were there, and yes, hang, hanging out with him, wasn't it? His hanging out with him and trying to sort of Jim Carrey was taking it to the point where he actually was him, and he was talking yeah. to them as if he was the vessel of Andy Kaufman and. <laughs> You know they were taking ser- mad, they were taking it? it seriously, and Andy Kaufman <laughs> died at a young age. He died at thirty five of uh, 
some kind of cancer, I think. I don't know exactly what it yes. was, but he they lost him prematurely and they obviously haven't healed from that particular wound. And I just, I think it's... It's the, pro- it's the problematic nature of, of the documents, like the fact that Jim Carrey, a man without autism, was playing a man with autism and acting on it. And it's something that you wouldn't get away with today because it's it's not fair. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's well, you, you say that. I mean, on it in the film, but not, not outside. Like, yeah, exactly. Don't outside take it outside. Yeah, exactly. Once the, once the cameras Ex- stopped, stop. Yes, it's yeah. been That's talked it. about That's a it. lot recently. Last year, there was a lot to do with method acting because there was someone who got yeah. into some hot water over it, and a lot of actors came out saying, "There's no point. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be an yeah, asshole twenty four seven. You're you're good enough to do it." Without well, having that's your it. method. If you if you trust your yeah. abilities as an actor, which you should, if you're an A-list actor, which it's always the A-list actors that tend to take on this kind of narcissistic look at me, because kind of, that's what it comes down to. It's a look at me type thing. I'm putting my heart and soul into this role so much that yeah. I am suffering for my art. Have faith in your own mm. in yourself as an actor, because you're saying that unless you can't mm. get out of that, you can't get an, into that role unless you're constantly inhabiting it. And you know, yeah. It, yeah. no. Yeah, there was a um, thing with like Leo working on Django regarding it. Yes, Jamie Fox tells a story of like how Leonardo DiCaprio was having trouble, like saying the N word so much. Jamie Fox yep. said, "Don't worry about it. Just think of it like this. Think of it like just that. Acting. Just acting, just this." And then he said, "I came in the next day. I said hello to Leo, and he just ignored me. And he just and like this, yeah, like he put, too he much put in himself it. into the character. It's like, okay, I don't like this black man in the film, so I don't, I'm not, I'm going to pretend I don't like him in real life to stay in that. Mm. Like, you don't need to do that. It's awful. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were saying about Joaquin Phoenix as well, where he used to go, he, he went overboard with a lot of them. Uh, it just, just stopped it. And, and, and Gadget's favourite, Tom Cruise, where he used to be on set of Mission Impossible and pretend he got a text message from MI5 or whatever. Oh, yeah, that, that, go, that was weird. It's weird. It's just weird. Like it's, um, we know it's not. <laughs> Christian Bale used to be really bad at the world. Mm. Apparently, when he, he was, was terrible with it, when he was doing like the the getting big, getting skinny films, like when he did like the yeah. Machinist and stuff like that. Apparently, it was and his awful doctor's to saying people. you're gonna die. Yeah, it's awful. I, I I I do have an ick as well nowadays with people without mental illness playing people with mental illness. I don't know. I, as a man with a mental illness, I find it a bit. I don't know. I know not, sometimes it's difficult. It's difficult to find an actor that's got a mental illness that can act as well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not so bothered by that. Like, I think an actor can do can act into a mental illness perfectly fine. It's whether yeah. that representation of it is fair. Yes, that's yeah, it. That's have they done enough research to understand yeah. it? I think it's important. Don't go, like, no one don't go truly knew what Kaufman was like. Yeah, I can't remember nope, it, nope. the name of the co-star that was in Taxi with him. It wasn't Danny DeVito. It was it was one of the Christopher other. Lloyd. Yes, yeah, but he's But he says for, for for a moment he says, but I didn't even know what he was like. You know, he was he was asking how he acted. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. I didn't know him. I kn- I knew as much as yeah. almost anyone else on the planet about him. Yeah. So. No one knew what he were like off camera, and that's the, that's the problem, isn't it? And Jim Carrey was channeling. It's it's a it's a fascinating documentary, but it's a very tough watch. I agree. Yeah, it's very it's, it's provocative, and I don't know if you'll like I said, like in a positive or negative way. But it's like I, I would have mm. I would have brought one of the other documentaries that I brought on the Nexus because I preferred it more. But I think this one is definitely worth a watch. It's it's. Yes, it it is it is it's fascinating. It's not a Sunday watch. It's a more laid in bed <laughs> watching. 
watching it and thinking, fuck, it's, it's, a, it's a thinker, isn't it? Mm. It's a proper thinker. Yeah. Excellent choice, excellent choice. Gadget, what you got? Dungeons uh, and Dragons? No, actually, weirdly enough. Um, no. So I, I tend to watch documentaries most when I'm ill. I don't know why. I just like lie on the sofa <laughs> in the middle of the night and just watch I've documentaries. Done it, I've, I've done it. Uh, I found this one last year when I had uh, the flu. Um, and uh, it's not an uplifting one. <laughs> But it's <laughs> not a lot of them are. <laughs> no, but it's one that you should watch. Um, uh, it's it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix documentary. It's called "Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey." Oh, so this is a, a mini series. It's a four part mini series on the fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter Day Saints. Are the Mormons? Well, you see, the Mormons are the Church of the Latter Day Saints. These are the fundamentalist oh, Church of the Latter Day Saints. The extremists. These are the extremists who became their own thing in 1906 when the, the Mormons said, we're not going to do polygamy anymore because it's illegal. <laughs> yeah, because so these stupid. So, so these guys were like, no, fuck off. I want to have a load of wives. We're going to yeah, make man. our own church with blackjack and hookers and polygamy and take over this little bit of Utah. Um, it's it focused- was Salt Lake, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, and then they kind of moved outside of Salt Lake. But yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, um, it's kind of focused around its current leader, Warren Jeffs. Um, that's him. Yeah, that's him. You know what I'm talking the about. The man with many wives. Man with many wives. So the the the, fo- the focus of this one starts with kind of talking about his fa- uh, his father, uh, Rulon Jeffs, who was mm-hmm. one of the most more popular ones, and had something like eighty seven wives. Yes, something like that. Uh, there was that joke that he had one for every day of the year. <laughs> Yeah, near enough. But it didn't didn't quite. No. Uh, when he died in 2002, his son, Warren Jeffs, became all supreme grand leader, whatever he, whatever they call it. <laughs> Imperial wizard. Yeah. Within a, <laughs> within two days of uh, of being leader, Warren had married all of his father's wives. Yes. It's, it's save for two. <laughs> um, and then continued to marry other women. Um, and this documentary is interesting because it, it, it takes a lot of opinions from kind of survivors of, of this. It is basically a cult version of Mormonism. Mormonism is kind of a cult, but it's ultimately it's just a denomination of Christianity with a weird yeah. story. This one, this one is very cult-like because everything is focused around the leader. and Because uh, they believe that Warren leader Jeffs is... Good. is leader is great. <laughs> Imagine imagine a bigger Manson family where it's all about Charlie. Yeah, basically it's everything is about Warren Jeffs. They believe he's a prophet from God and that he's yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. he speaks the word of Jesus. It's one of those American kind of Jesus. Things. Remember American, American oh, Jesus yeah, is very completely much different Jesus. to Middle Eastern Jesus. We'll get onto that. Um <laughs> <laughs> different this, bloke. Different bloke. Yeah. This guy, um well so so the the, the, the film um, talks to a lot of people who are still in the church or who have left the church, but it tries to give it as broad a possible meaning of it. So it talks to like kind of like like men who have multiple wives and talks about their experience of being a polygamist. And for the most part, and I'm giving this the world's biggest fucking caveat, most of the guys in it are fine. You know, they're not awful misogynistic men. They have been brought up in their life in a world where having multiple wives is normal. Um, some of them are. Some of them are very misogynistic and awful people. But um, most of the documentary focuses around the women, the victims of this. 
and the indoctrination and the um, kind of brainwashing that they go through. And then they get to the back half of it when when Warren Jeff's crimes start to come out. Oh, he got crimes. He's got the crimes. He's got a lot of crimes. <laughs> um, most, uh, most, most. It's weird his, that a religious leader having crimes would have thunk it. Yeah, mostly his <laughs> mostly his crimes tend to revolve around the fact that that he was fond of twelve year old wives. Yeah, and had multiple them. of them. A um, <laughs> rotter. Yeah, um, and he would. I'm not going to get into the full kind of gory details of it, but Please basically, don't. basically evidence came out from it from videotapes the man had made. Sake. In his yeah. in his mega church that he'd built in Texas. He wasn't even discreet about it, was he? No, he wasn't. He loved um, it. Anyway, ultimately, not bearing the lead, the man is in prison for life for his crimes. In um, a nonce. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's still the leader of the fucking cult. He does sermons over the phone from prison. <laughs> yeah, he still gets donations as well, doesn't he? He still gets donations. His his followers still believe he is he is the the the, um, the second. I think he's of wrote Christ. like three books since being in prison or something like multi award winning, not award winning, but best selling books. I don't think they're that best selling. Um, in he, the circles, in in his circles, yeah. Because he's got that many wives, he just gets them to buy them all, and then he's just like billboard top twenty. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of want to say the man has complicated views, but he doesn't. He's just a he's just a shithead. Um, like for instance, his views on marriage. So in a, I'm reading this off Wikipedia. In a 2001 sermon, Jeff stated that quote, "People grew so evil. The men started to marry the men, and the women started to marry the women. This is the worst evil act you can do next to oh, murder." Oh yeah, he's a massive conservative as well. It's like murder. Whenever people commit that sin, that the Lord destroys them. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's got a long running. Very racist streak. He hates anybody who's not Lily White. He is yeah. a horrible, horrible person. But this documentary is fascinating because when they're talking to the victims, like talking to like 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 women who were married to Jeffs as teenagers, like Without very choice. much underage teenagers, and they were like, "Well, he was nice to me, and I didn't know any better." And like they are, that's why I keep calling them victims. They are victims of this kind of. Abuse that the, yeah, the he, he bought them things and kept them kept them happy and yeah fed, but he also kept everyone in this weird kind of conservative lifestyle compound. Like like like, like yeah, they're all in the kind of compound. Women had to wear could only wear certain kind of clothes and had had have dresses that came down to the to the middle Didn't of their, he make their calves. Like, if if they went shopping, four of them had to go at once. They couldn't go alone and stuff yeah, like they had, that. Had, had own groups. In a lot of cases, if they were to leave the compound to go do something, there had to be a man with them. Very Sharia law kind of thing. Fucking um, awful. But he, Hamay's tale. This yeah, very, very Worse. much so actually. But he would, he, he would, he would go off on these kind of like um, uh, what he would call kind of re- religious excursions or kind of like like to, to listen to the word of God. He was going to Vegas and getting yeah. hookers and betting and, Jack, and gambling and getting up. drunk yeah. because he was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Because every person in that community had to give him tithes, they had to give yeah. thirty or forty percent. It was dowries, weren't they? Every, everything. Yeah, but like everyone monthly had to give like thirty or forty percent of their income to the church. It all went to him, the corrupt piece of shit. Um. So yeah, it's a really it's an uncomfortable watch a lot of the time. Um. The 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 title of it, "Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey," 
um, was coined by Rulon Jeffs, and it was used. It was basically a phrase to convey how women should behave in relation to their husband. Yeah. Um, the latter part of the motto, "Pray and Obey," is shown to to adorn like chimneys and uh, churches belonging to Warren Jeffs. Um, but it was frequently sung aloud, sung aloud, and it was meant to be that women should be in control of their emotions and don't display things like anger, resentment, or frustration around your husband. <laughs> so yeah, keep sweet, pray and obey. It's on Netflix. It's fascinating, but it's not a comfortable watch. Yeah. No. No. Excellent, excellent. Stig, have you got anything just as uncomfortable? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you guys like morbid documentaries, don't you? My documentary series is not uplifting. It is about the really shady, horrible, nasty side of professional wrestling. Ooh. Oh. So yes. professional wrestling. Get, is, get ready. Get ready, Biggie. If you. Uh, like Biggie sees it, is just weird, muscular men in tights play fighting. That's that's the be all and end all wrestling. That, <laughs> not, that is what a lot listener of, is nodding. That is what a lot of people see wrestling as. It is a soap opera with a bit of fighting in, and that's it. The reality is, behind the scenes, for the last forty to fifty years, it's been an absolute shit show of steroid abuse, of alcoholism, of drug abuse, of exploitation, sexual assault, murder, raping, um everything you everything you can think of, uh just fraud. Yeah, fraud, um death, uh conspiracy. It's it's an absolute shit show behind the scenes. It, I've seen I've 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 seen it's this gonna as get well. better. I, like it's it's getting better with this with the younger generations of wrestlers. Like they're a bit more tacked, cleaned up. up on fair, equal pay and equal rights, and and actually being nice to each other and not backstabbing. And again, health benefits, yeah, now. and not backstabbing each other and not kind of uh, blackmailing and stuff like that. Where, but in the a long time ago, all the way up into like the nineties, it just was not good and. This documentary, Dark Side of the Ring, is by Vice TV over in Stateside, and you can watch some of it on Channel 4 over here. I think it's only season three over here at the moment. But yeah, it covers just a whole load of things. So we have like the Montreal Screwjob is a big famous uh, thing in in wrestling where Bret Hart was literally... um, it's been talked about for over and over and over again, like with wrestling, people who are into wrestling. But Bret Hart was literally screwed out of, in a match for real, where he was um, the referee counted for a submission, like behind his back. And actually, that leads into a another documentary called uh, Wrestling with Shadows, which actually caught all this behind the scenes. Um, it just happened to be that this this documentary was filming Bret Hart's life that year. And right at the tail end of it, they caught it. They all. caught this screw job, and they caught McMahon behind the scenes promising not to do this, promising to do that because Brett was leaving for WCW, and then Vince McMahon went back on his word live on TV in Brett's home country, and literally screwed him in. Like, and there's a huge, there's a massive fucking fallout for that for for years, for like fifteen years or so because of all that. But it just that's just the that's just like the light stuff. You get stuff like the yeah. killing of Bruiser Brody, where he literally was killed in Puerto Rico by another wrestler and promoter over an argument they had. You have uh, the, the life of the Von Erics, which is a sad life of just abuse and suicide and 
uh, the, the story of Fabulous Moolah, who was seen as this amazing figure in women's wrestling all the way until she died. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff about her, about her exploitation of women, her abuse, uh, basically, she was basically a, like lead, the way she treated women was like they were slaves. And, and she yeah. basically fucked over like a whole generation of women wrestlers so she could stay on top. She was like pimping them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, she was, she was she basically like a pimp. Yeah, uh, awful. Touches on the Benoit murder, uh, suicide. Famous, massive. Uh, just uh, And then you have other things like the Brawl for All, which is like a boxing event that WWE did, Jimmy Snooker and the death of Nancy Ar- Argentino. All this is a death, by the way, which many consider Vince McMahon allegedly to have helped cover up. Um, oh, lovely. And it, Oh, Vince McMahon, we're not scared of a bit of a conspiracy. Yeah, uh, obviously the death of, <laughs> of, of Owen Hart and what happened there. And, and oh, it, God, yeah. Because this isn't in conjunction with WWE, they can, they, say can say, they can say it. And they have wrestlers. They have ex-wrestlers, they have ex-people in the business on camera talking about it, giving their views that I was there when this happened, I was there, this happened, and then they talk and then all they can give their opinions on things and you get a lot more insight into what you do with say a WWE documentary um, it's very tailored to their side well the WWE documentaries tend to be puff pieces don't they yeah I mean they did they well, did they, one about these, these guys they on, did sorry. one called the ultimate the destruction of the ultimate warrior which was like yeah. a hit piece on the ultimate warrior it was an absolute piece of shit by the way <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and then, and then they obviously made up, and they brought him back, and then they did a, you know, reimagine it, a, a new documentary where it showed him how good he was. But no, he's just a homophobic racist piece of shit. Um, Fair enough. I have, I have actually the, the, seen uh, Beyond the Mat. Yes, Beyond which the I Mat is like. another yes. great wrestling documentary. Which I did like. There's that, there's that one. I don't know if it's Dark Side of the Ring where. The people that were involved, the actual real wrestlers, they've got ex- expunged by the WWE and stuff for being on that documentary and stuff. Like you can't say this to you know, some of you them will be a secret. Yeah, some of them yeah. will be. There is this. Di- there's luckily there's this kind of era or who are now getting old and dying out and and leaving the business. Who the baddies? Yeah, the baddies who covered this shit up and 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 kind of participated in a lot of it. I mean, you even look at the Undertaker and his recent documentary and and and. Yeah. All the interviews he's doing on, on the circuits is just like, oh, back in my day, we did this and that. Now you see the guys who sit around laughing and joking the, the, uh, and, and playing video games and stuff. It's like, what? Well, so your, your day when you used to bully people, you used to have a real yep. thing called Wrestler's Court where the Undertaker was the judge and people used to take, yep. if they had a grievance, they would go to the Undertaker and, and, and he would decide their fate because he was so big. Yeah. He had the, ch- he had the like they he used had to bully the people. They used to hate. It was hazing in inverted commas, but no, it wasn't. It was just bullying younger people in the workplace. And and now they complain that the the current generation don't do that. Fuck off! Fuck off! <laughs> and this kind of do- this documentary <laughs> just goes beyond that though. Like the, the plane ride from hell, which was like a, a plane journey where. Loads of wrestlers, Ric Flair being the main culprit, uh, allegedly. I'm just going to throw those in. Um, <laughs> but he got absolutely wasted and sexually assaulted the flight attendants on that. He denies yes. it, yes. but it's Ric Flair. I, I, I was going to say, if, 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 oh. any, if anyone's going to be a wrong and Ric Flair looks like a wrong. Yeah. And it's just. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Rick Cocaine Flair? Yeah. Give up. The, the man with the reddest skin and the whitest hair. <laughs> to give up clean living Ric Flair <laughs> give up 
<laughs> it, 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 next, you're going to tell me Hulk Hogan's problematic. Never. <laughs> well, uh, it touches on just it just touches on a lot of this stuff. A lot of like the it's last series was it. about Ultimate Warrior, um, the Dynamite Kid who had a lot of problems with with uh, alcohol and drugs, and and ultimately like yeah. the business. <clears throat> He ended up being paralyzed because of the business. Uh, Chris Canyon, who was basically kind of run out the the business for coming out as gay, um, and no gay wrestlers. Yeah, it's just it it shows what and the real nasty side of wrestling, which I think is important to see. Like, even if you're a fan yeah. of it, like it's a it's a shitty business. It was born from carnivals. It's still a bit carny. Um, yeah, and. There's some fascinating stories in this. And you notice, like, a lot of wrestlers, you know, from the 90s, even the early 2000s, a lot of them have died because yeah. they just were just thrown through the grinder. Go out there, put yeah. your bodies on the line. Here's your money. Right, off you go. Go do your drugs. Once you've gone, you've go gone. Go do your drugs. Go do your, your, your alcohol. Yeah, once you're gone, you're gone. There's no exit plan. You see a lot of wrestlers, no. like, wrestling in the indie scenes into the 60s because they've got no plan like luckily like I said the younger gen- or, generation or, or their full time job is their full time job is conventions yeah they're, they're a bit more switched on now so sad isn't it investing and, and saving and stuff yeah they, they, they own their own rights and stuff but like this that. is just kind of the stories about all these people that didn't get that and kind of Tough. what happened to them because of that being chewed up by the system spat out and not cared about Despite what the yeah. WWE puts on there, oh, we're sad to learn of the death of so and so. I was like, well, you weren't sad about it when you were in and out of, you know, rehab because of what you put them through, that kind of stuff. And it's nice. It's good. Yeah, definitely Not nice. Uh, it's good to see these stories being told, and you not just hearing it from the victors. You're hearing what the, what's actually happened. So yeah, Wesley. Uh, um, Dark Side of the Ring, a really good documentary a series on the shitty side of professional wrestling. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So, have we got any um, feedback? We do actually. We we, we have we have a fair bit. People have resonated with this one. Uh, so we'll start with uh, the "It's Not That Bad" podcast. Uh, who and he said um, a smallish list. When the levees broke, shut up and sing. The Devil and yep. Daniel Johnson. Wordplay, Foo Fighters Back and Forth, Ooh, Joy Division, 30 for 30, June 17th, 1994, Control Room, and This Movie Is Not Yet Rated. Okay, I may like a few documentaries. I don't think I've seen any of those. No. I have heard good things about the Foo Fighters one, though. I think there's a few ones. I can't remember which one it is I've seen, but one of them is excellent. I think it is Back and Forth. Because Sonic Highways was the one where they were making the album and they were going to different studios and mm. it was like a tour of studios. Isn't uh, When the Levy spoke about Hurricane Katrina by Spike yeah. Lee? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah that's supposed to be uh, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a harrowing as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lee Davies has said, uh, I absolutely love David Bowie, cracked actor. It was made in the yeah. mid-70s around the time he was filming The Man Who Fell to Earth. He's so fucked on cocaine all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he, he is. He was the seventies, and he was an avant-garde rock star. Of course, he was on cocaine all the time. Xenos <laughs> <laughs> uh, has said, uh, "Now I don't watch much TV, but I'm going to go for something that's technically a video essay, but it's probably close enough." I'd like to say YouTuber H Bomber Guy's entire channel, but to narrow it down, I'll say specifically Roblox underscore MP3, 
and vaccines and autism a measured response. I know that second one probably sounds to, pe- to people not familiar with it. So in summary, the first one is about the oof sound effect from Roblox, where, where it came from originally and how the man who claims to have created has spun a massive web of lies around his career, which falls apart with if you poke it, which somehow nobody seems to have done. Including, as it turns out, the fact that Guinness World Records are basically a for-profit service and you can pay them to work out a record you might already hold and then say nobody else is allowed to apply for it. Yep. And not to, bury the, not to bury the lead on that one, Tommy Tallarico is that man. Mm, yes. <laughs> Mr. Controversial yes. himself. Who, yes, yes he, he claims the world record for, the, for the, mo- the most video games worked on, but he paid Guinness for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he goes on to say the second one's an in-depth look about how the modern anti-vaccine shit show got started. The medical fraud and, serious content warning, actual physical child abuse committed by the horrifying charlatans responsible and why it's so difficult to actually reason someone out of believing it even in the face of overwhelming evidence that vaccination is safe and a good idea. There is no casual connection between vaccinations and autism, but the video covers that in full. Mm. I would maybe watch them the other way around so you get some lighter content after the horrible medical thing. I- I'll... Back in, I was gonna bring H Bomber guy's stuff uh, until I saw I've this. I've seen in some the of his stuff. He's really fucking good. He's also a little He's bit thorough. unhinged. He's very thorough. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah I, I like it. It's a good recommendation. That I I don't get into many YouTubers, but he's popped up a few times, and I've I've watched. Yeah, really good. His, really yeah, good. his his measured response series is pretty good. His uh, uh, yeah. flat, flat Earth measured response and yeah. Yeah. the Soy Boy diet measured response is pretty good. I think I I quite like it when he's like. Taking down like right wing lunatics or like which the, we should the, all be doing the manosphere kind of people, yeah. yeah. Uh, Monk's boy, friend of the pod, enemy of oodles, has said yeah. in all capital letters literally everything Ahoy has ever done. So, if you're not familiar with Ahoy, um, he is a YouTuber, a video essayist, he does about three or four videos a year, and he's fucking incredible. Aren't there them really long ones? Not necessarily. Most of them, some of them get over an hour, but most of them about kind of 30, 40 minutes. Um, right. But it's all kind of retro video game stuff. Um, his most recent one came out a week ago, which is uh, he's recre- recreating some uh, qu- a quite a famous art piece that was done on an Amiga. It's called Four Byte nice. Burger. And he's nice. recreating it and like trying to get as close to it as possible. But he's done like, he does like retro things. So he's talked about like the original XCOM, uh, Trackers, The Sound of 16 Bit. He's done things yes. on like where like where the video game language that meant like barrel explosive barrels came from. Um uh, he's done stuff on Monkey Island. His first video game video is absolutely fucking brilliant because and this guy does it all by himself. It is Stuart something or other he's called. Um Stuart Brown. He Baker. He um Right initials. <laughs> <laughs> The, the 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 first video game video that he did, so it's an hour long that one, and he's done he's done it. It's all kind of in black and white, as if he's putting cells on an overhead projector, like to like, like show off these old video games, and it's inc- it just looks brilliant. Like visually, it's so simple, but it's kind of stunning and keeps you held on to it. Mm. Like the guy, like the, the the guy needs to be just followed just for his use of Photoshop at all. The, the guy's incredible. Like me. Both like Monk's boy put me onto him, and I and like we both like text each other back and forth excitedly whenever there's a new Ahoy video out because we're both so excited by it. The guy, nice. also the guy's got the guy's got a voice that'll just it'll just send you to sleep with good vibes. He's got a very mm. nice low kind of Midlandsy voice. Oh, 
So awesome. yeah, yeah, looking at Ahoy. Uh, Robotic Monkey said, Anvil, the story of Anvil. <laughs> I caught great. I caught this when it was on Netflix and I was expecting a bit of a spin on Spinal Tap. Instead, it's the heartwarming story about friendship and hope and chasing your dreams no matter how far and out of reach they always seem. Uh, it then says, in a similar vein, I've also heard the Sparks documentary is good, but I've not seen that yet. Oh, and if you haven't seen them already, check out Everything is a Remix series by Kirby Ferguson on YouTube. Everything you love and were into before everyone else was is probably already a copy or rework of something that already happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Anvil's great. I love that film. Mm. It's great. It's, it, it's that scene at the end when they're on stage in Japan and they see the audience and it's just like... like Aww. Yeah, it's not... It, it's like a crowning achievement in their life to play a gig that big. And also mad that like Metallica were inspired by them. Yeah. Yeah. At the start, at the start a lot of the them f- were. Yeah. At the start of the film, they're playing like a fucking social club in Manitoba somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway. Uh, Plantius said, True story. I saw this as Spinal Tap not knowing it was a mockumentary. <laughs> and for years, still thought it was a documentary. I'd argue they did this release is the best albums. way to see it. <laughs> I still remember being blown away by Catfish, uh, Catfish, oh, yeah. the film, not the TV series, when I the first saw it. One, yeah. I know there's been shit written about it since, but to my mind, it's still one of my faves. It's great. If Oodles hasn't picked an American movie, he's dead to me. Oh, it's great. Message it's great. me about doing that as a Patreon exclusive episode, just me and you, K-Man. Yeah, I could do that. I could absolutely do that. Love that. Love, love it. Absolutely uh, adore it. Final point, as a Forest fan, uh, I love I Believe in Miracles, the story of Brian Clough and Nottingham Forest double <laughs> European common winning teams. Discord, Fuck Northern Soul, and 70s and 80s football. It's a heady mix of, and a story that will never be repeated. It'd be great if Brian Clough weren't in it. <laughs> oh yeah, Leeds fans don't like Brian Clough, do they? Fucking prick. <laughs> uh, Angry, Angry Kurtz says, uh, the Chris Chant YouTube documentary series, which is still going. No, that is so long. Don't do it, people. I don't know what that is. What is that? Chris Chan is a very controversial person on the internet who kind of does some fucked up things, but was kind of egged on because they had um, like blog followers and like DeviantArt followers, yeah. YouTube followers, and they've kind of got. I can't remember whether it's kind of autism or 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 something like that, but basically they have a a mental disability. And yeah. They've only just got out of prison. It's basically oh, got to that fantastic. point. But there has been fantastic. a YouTuber detailed documenting this. It, it is something. It's hundreds of parts. Um, I'm going to find it now. Find out how many parts there are. The this internet gender. is full of rotters. <laughs> uh, so the two weeks ago, Chris Chan, a comprehensive history, part seventy-four. Fuck that. Yeah. And they're all about 40-odd minutes long. Like, there is a lot to this person. No, I don't so, know what it is, so I'm not bothered. Would, no, it, it gets dark very quickly. I wouldn't recommend it. I suppose it. if you're there from the beginning, it's fantastic. Yeah, I've, I think I've watched the first five episodes, and I was like, no, this is too depressing for me. Uh, wow. For me. <laughs> Uh, he goes on to say I love football documentary with behind the scenes access to clubs my favourites have included Arsenal, Spurs and Leeds ones on Amazon but the granddaddy of them all is the granddaddy of them all is Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix it's good I know it's it's a good documentary it's really good I know but I'm I'm a Geordie I'm genetically predisposed to hate the Mackums fuck the Mackums fuck the Mackums the others I would say you would only really appreciate if you're a football fan, but Sunderland Till I Die can be appreciated by non-football fans as it's more akin I to agree. a drama, which brings me on to my second pick. Drive to Survive, 
This is my favourite uh, documentary sports or otherwise. Prior to watching it, I wasn't massively into F1, but as you know, I'm now a full convert. The access Netflix has is great, the production values are amazing, but most importantly, it creates a great drama as you follow the characters involved in F1. It has faced accusations mm. of creating bad blood between drivers, which doesn't exist, which might be true, but it's sure entertaining and no one can tell me that everyone on the grid doesn't hate Red Bulls, Max Verstappen or Chris Horner. Trust me when I say that you don't need to be an F1 fan for this and allow yourself to be glued to the screen for several hours. No, Mando, I'm into it. Bang into it. And if you haven't watched, like if, if you haven't I like watched the F1 Kurt, films, I've, I've watched, I've watched the F1 films. If you haven't watched the Kurt, do the uh, the Wrexham one. That's really good. Yeah. No, he has watched the Wrexham one. Has he? Okay. He didn't like. He wasn't enough about football, was it, for his taste? Oh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's excellent. that's all the feedback we have. Excellent, excellent, excellent. As always, links to all our extracurricular activities are in the show notes and at modernscaping.co.uk. Please find it within your hearts to try out our Patreon. You get loads of exclusive content and you get access to the green room, which comes next. Please check out our YouTube, TikToks, Twitters, everything. Uh, just don't miss out, guys. Don't miss out. Next week, though, continuing with nonfiction, it's moments that changed history. Because we are the people that can say these moments changed history. Think Steve Jobs revealing the iPhone, that kind of thing. It's got to be media related. Oh, so, so, so not the day Biggie was born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that did. Oh. It's kind of media related. Oh, this is now. true. One of the best broadcasters on the on the internet. Created the Big Bang. The Biggie Created Bang. All. The Biggie Bang. <laughs> the Biggie Bang. He's <laughs> had a big curry the yes, night before. If you're not a patron, here we are. This is the end of the show for you. We apologise, but if you're going to be tight like that, <laughs> just, we, we can't honour it. We can't honour it at all. But for all patrons, meet us in the green room very shortly. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.